0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the TimCast IRL podcast. I'm hanging out tonight with a very special guest, Kim Klasik. Hi. You are running for office.
1: <laughs> yes. In, thank you so much for having me.
0: In Baltimore. Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, you're going to win?
1: Of course. You are going to win? I feel like I've already won, you know? Oh, ah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk. And, of course, we're also hanging out with At Sour Patch Lids, That's the correct. wonderful producer. Here. Hey, how's going? And uh, we got a lot to talk about, but I really just want to talk about... I think there's a really interesting... Uh, your perspective you obviously had this very viral ad 12 million views now like basically 163,000 retweets massive and you basically just talk about democrat failure in your city yeah and I can kind of relate to that coming from Chicago yeah so we'll talk a lot about uh, a lot about that but uh, uh, the lead story of course for most of you who have been following the news Trump has been nominated for the second time For the Nobel Peace Prize. And wow, uh, we've got uh, huge news today. A a normalization of ties between Bahrain and Israel, which is is tremendous. Mm -hmm. Having these these, uh, Arab nations recognize Israel's uh, existence, normalize trade, travel, tourism, this is going to be huge. And obviously it follows the United Arab Emirates deal, which is also massive. And then of course, the Kosovo-Serbia deal. Trump has been busy working on an amazing historic foreign policy. So, of course, now we, we had we had a Norwegian guy nominated Trump. Now we have a Swedish guy. I don't exactly know how the Nobel Committee works or whatever, but we have the story. Now, here's now here's the thing. You, of course, I can tell you all these things and you're probably saying there going, well, wow, that, that's pretty good for Trump. Yes, you've probably heard he's going to draw back our troops in the Middle East. And uh, um, now the Atlantic, I believe, yes, has run an article saying um, end the Nobel Prize. I, can't, I, uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. It's it's no, I can believe it. It's, uh, it's Trump derangement syndrome. So uh, we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about a bunch of issues. Uh, we're going to talk about Kim's race and your, you know, your positions and kind of what you're hoping to do and your perspectives on the Democratic Party and the Republican parties, obviously. And uh, make sure you hit the like button. It really does help. Subscribe we do the show Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. live. And uh, let's just jump right into the first story. And this is going to be an, uh, just a kind of a segue into what I perceive as like ultimate Trump derangement syndrome. So it's actually very simple. Here's the story from The Hill. Trump nominated a second time for Nobel Peace Prize. Look, it's got 25,594 shares. This is incredible. A member of the Swedish parliament on Friday nominated President Trump and the governments of Kosovo and Serbia for the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize over economic cooperation and trade talks. And I can only imagine that with this new Bahrain announcement, Bahrain-Israel, There's going to be some more nominations and trump maybe could win this so great great i I wonder what the what the reaction's been from the oh oh (laughs) (laughs) and the nobel peace prize the trump nomination shows that peace had its chance and blew it and they actually show the 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 nobel prize and they've scribbled out alfred nobel's face wow that's so crazy man so kim yes I'm I'm sure you've heard a little bit about these historic agreements Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, it just to me, you know, I I could probably, I could personally go on for a million years about foreign policy because that's like one of the most important things to me. It's one of the reasons why I actually am now, uh, I've been more supportive of Trump. He's pulling our troops out of the Middle East. Yeah. But I think, uh, well, the first question I have is you're you're obviously a big fan of Trump.
1: Huge fan. Yes, I am.
0: Big supporter. You want to... I don't even know where to begin with this this is like the ultimate trump <laughs> derangement syndrome yes to, to to call for ending the nobel peace prize simply because trump's been nominated for doing something good
2: right
1: right well obviously you know right now like you said it's tds but at the same time here we are coming up on elections right and the yeah. last thing they want is a good story to come out about trump wow. um this is like them trying to abolish the electoral college right yeah i mean this is like whatever they can do to make sure he doesn't look good um, they're going to try to push it out. But, you know, this is what I love about President Trump. You know, these are the things that he talked about that he was going to accomplish. And so here you have all these countries actually acknowledging how great he is with the trade war. And they can't handle it. They can't handle
0: it. They they will not allow. This, this particular, uh, this week has been insane in terms of dropping bombs to just smear and drag Trump. Mm-hmm. At a time when these deals are coming out, I'm looking at the news and I'm like, is Trump's campaign strategy to do good things as president and the Democrats' campaign strategy is to just keep complaining about Trump?
1: That's exactly what it looks like.
0: Yeah. Exactly
1: what it looks like. And you know, not to talk about myself and my race, but <laughs> oh, <of
0: course. laughs> my Bring opponent
1: my opponent does the same thing. He talks about President Trump, he talks about me, but he has no platform. This is like what Democrats do, you know? And it's unfortunate because I don't know how they still have people that vote for them. You know, that and scares and then, me. You know, if you're talking about, you know, just how racist America is and how you want it to change, how do you then vote for the party with no platform to change it?
0: I don't, I don't get it. I've I've looked at a bit of what, like, say, Biden wants, mm-hmm. and I've looked at a lot of what uh, many Democrats offer. And some of them seem to be there's a lot of Democrats who have, you know, obviously like middle of the roads, approvable opinions. But then you'll see things in the media like this, but you'll also see You know, uh, a good example for Joe Biden, in my opinion, when he was asked if he was for reallocating funds away from the police, Mm -hmm. he said, yes, absolutely. But then later he comes out and says, no, we want more more funds to go to different police programs. And I understand there's a nuance there. Right. 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 You can you can reallocate funds from some areas and then fund other areas. Mm -hmm. But it really does seem like the question being asked of him was in line with the idea of defunding the police. Right. It felt to me like he's just going to say what he has to say.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's what they're great at. That's what Kamala Harris says, also. You know, and it, it's sad because again, it's just pandering, right? But the fact that people still can't see this so many years later makes no sense to me. So Joe Biden's what? Almost fifty years? Yeah, yeah
0: 40, 40, 40 years.
1: forty-seven. <laughs> you know what has he done to even match what he's talking about today? Now we hear so much how he cares about Black lives. Really?
0: This is this is what really really bothers me right now is that Donald Trump has just nailed these peace agreements, he's mm-hmm. being nominated for a peace prize, and Joe Biden comes from Obama's legacy of increasing wars. Uh, I mean, and, and I'm not here to rag on Obama. I think it's silly to be like, well, what about Obama? What about George W. Bush? What about mm-hmm. Bill Clinton? Right. We have all these past presidents starting wars. In my opinion, uh, I don't wanna say it's a waste, because I don't wanna be disrespectful to the to the troops who, who need this funding for their safety and security, but I don't like the idea that we we, we, we spend so much of our time and energy on these foreign conflicts, mm-hmm. you had eight years of an Obama Biden administration. Yep. Where were their peace agreements with, with with Israel and any other country? Instead, it was conflict. It was Libya. It was more wars. It was you know a civil war in Yemen, drone strikes. Mm-hmm. And here, so so anyway, I I I I'm gonna go on a tangent when it comes to foreign policy stuff. But here's the main <laughs> point. Yes. People are actually going to vote for Joe Biden when he has a legacy of war and Donald Trump is staring you in the face with these peace agreements and withdrawing our troops. Yeah, that that is the crux of of derangement syndrome. And I think I don't I don't know if if the if it's, you know, correlation or causation from the Democratic Party to the Democratic voter. Like, do you think the Democrats do things if the voter says to do it? Or do you think the voters just vote for whatever the Democrat says to vote for? You know,
1: I, I think it's both. I think it's both. Right. So right now you you see what's trendy. Right. Black Lives Matter. Everyone's so upset. It's it's both. Right. Is there an agenda behind it? Is it the DNC pushing it? I don't know. Right. I'm not going to sit here and, and talk about conspiracy theories. But, you know, the fact that it comes up every four years is a little suspicious, you know. Um, But yeah, I think the DNC controls some of it. And then there's those who get paid um, to also throw some fire. Um, So I know in Baltimore City, we have a ton of nonprofits. You wouldn't know it by looking at Baltimore City that we have a ton of nonprofits to help with the vacant homes and the homelessness. You wouldn't know that. But a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money uh, for these nonprofits. And of course, they're going to continue voting for those Democrats because they're the ones giving them the grant money. You know so we always see where they leverage that urban struggle to get that federal funding and they do it annually. So I think you, it's both you, sides.
0: You are you are preaching to the choir, man. I used to do fundraising for nonprofits. And the last run I had as a fundraising director was for a homeless shelter that was lying to people to make money and they they were telling everyone they were at capacity and these kids are suffering and they had nobody in their shelters because the kids didn't want to go there. It's a much deeper problem. Right. And so what I ended up seeing is you, yeah, they had their donors and they made a, a decent amount. I'm not going to act like they're the biggest uh, nonprofit in the world. But instead of actually solving the problem, they just set up shelters and then went to people and said, oh, man, all these kids, there's no space for them. How are we going to get them beds? You have to give us money. Instead of offering up mental health services or a real solution to the problem, I felt like their goal was just to perpetuate this, this uh, mirage yeah. This this fake image of what was really needed. And they never did anything. Yeah. I'm not. I don't want to necessarily say necessarily say where it is, but of course it was a major urban, you know, Democrat-controlled city with serious issues that they didn't care to actually deal with. And so for me, I I voted for Obama in 2008, and uh, same. you know, hope and change and yep. the wars, things like that. And then I was it was just the same to me a lot of the same stuff because because again for me. I think I was coming into the political realm with, like, the Iraq War. This was mm-hmm. when I was, like, a teenager, and I'm watching the stuff, and I'm hearing all this music, like, system of a down, and I'm like, yeah, the war is bad. And I started looking into it, and I'm like, yeah, the war is bad. Yeah. And, we, and the media lied to us, and then they just kind of kept going with it for 20 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what we do to change people's minds so, so that they stop voting for the same thing, you know what I mean? No, I don't
1: know. I, I, I mean, I, I voted for Obama in 2008 myself. Yeah. Um, I was so excited I was like wow you know that overcoming story is a black president we can no longer say the white man's keeping us down here he comes family structure great husband great dad done it's over we don't have that excuse anymore he gets in there and what does he have a ton of excuses <laughs> and I'm like this is not why I voted for you yeah. this yeah. is not I thought hope change I thought all of these things were now gonna be addressed um, so I was thoroughly disappointed in 2009. I changed into a Republican.
0: Wow, really? Yeah. That quickly?
1: I was really upset.
0: I mean, but Obama, he, he, he was inaugurated January 20th, 2009. Right. At what point in, in, in 2009 were you, did you realize?
1: It was, hold on. There was a, he went to some kind of meeting he had with Jesse Jackson. And they were talking about the fact that it was so tough to be black in America And I'm watching this and I'm like, you're literally the president of the United States of America. (laughs) How is this even you can't even have this conversation. Yeah. You know, and it just kept continuing. And I I was just I was over it. I was over it. Um, I didn't tell my parents right away because I didn't want them to be upset. You know, usually if you're black, you're a Democrat. And I get that. But, you know, after talking to my dad about it, he was actually more conservative and understood. Wow. Why,
0: why, Why is that? I mean I I defer to you I have no idea Uh, they say that uh, the black community just votes Democrat
1: yeah so you know for me it was when you're getting news filtered in through your parents right they are always telling you you know it's Democrats are the ones that are socially liberal they're the ones that are gonna help you you know if you're in a situation they're the ones that are gonna bail you out of it Um, and I guess you know maybe in their generation maybe that's what they saw and that's what they believed And so it just continued down. Um, But then when you really look at it and you start that critical thinking for yourself, I mean, I talk about all the time, you know, most black families grow up in the church. That's a conservative value system right there, you know. And you look back at like the civil rights leaders. They were all at church on Sunday. You know, they talked about God often. And so, you know, I think over the years we just, you know, walked away from that. And, but then we continue still being Democrats, you know, and, and thinking that's the way to be,
2: so. I,
0: I was reading an article and they said, uh, it, was a, it, was, it, was a, it was around the time Kanye had done something, and there were a bunch of polls coming out showing that black voter support for Trump was very, very high. There were a series of polls earlier this year, at like 30%, which mm-hmm. was like unheard of. And there was an article I was reading, and I think it may have been, I don't, I don't want to misquote somebody, but I'm thinking James Carville or somebody. They okay. said, the key to the black vote is the, is the church. Mm-hmm. And that to me, it sounds right based on the things I've seen on TV right. where they have this trope of like, you know, the, the, the churches and the, and, you know, the politics around it. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, but the Democrats are like the opposite of Christian conservative values. Like they don't agree with a lot of what yeah. the church says. In fact, they 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 kind of insulted a lot. Yeah. Not necessarily the politicians. I don't want I'm not putting I'm, I just mean right. like the culture. Right. You, you'll, you'll go on to social media you'll, and, and what do they allow? They allow a lot of very anti-Christian, anti-church kind of rhetoric, but other religions sometimes, you know, they, they pretty much get a pass yeah. so I look at pop culture and I'm like that doesn't make sense to me why, why, why is that?
1: I think we're right on the cusp, we're right there, like this is why we gotta change things right now um, it is grandma and great grandma holding on <laughs> to that church lifestyle, right? You're still going to grandma's house for Sunday dinner you know, you might not have gone to church that day, but you're showing up for Sunday dinner, right? Um, so we're, I think we're at that point where it's like, what do we do? We got to make this decision to kind of come back and understand the importance of family values and family structure and just spending time with your family. Um, and so I think, I think it's honestly, you can uh, right now. And I believe in two weeks we're meeting with thirty pastors in the Baltimore City area, and that's unheard of for any Republican. Um, but apparently, my opponent when he was there. Uh, In his previous terms, 1987 and 1996, he went to these same pastors asking for favors, you know, asking for their support. And he went in, didn't do anything, walked out. Right? Uh, Congressman Cummings comes in, um, and now he's coming back, and they're like, "Whoa, buddy, we remember you. You know, we were the pastor at that time, and so now they're willing to talk to us." Um, And I think if we can get to his congregations, uh, that we can do it. I mean. Uh, my opponent, his big voting block was senior black women. Wow! And they are the ones in the church.
0: So you think they're going to vote for you instead?
1: I'm holding out hope here, Tim. You're hoping okay. for them.
0: <laughs> I I, I, I think, think I
1: think we can talk to them. Yeah. I, I, the fact that they are even having the conversation is blowing my mind. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah.
0: How how does it how does it end up? You know. I come from Chicago. You're in Baltimore. That you have decades after decades after, dec- after decades of the exact same things being said. It almost feels like uh, there's a lot of people who they vote because it's kind of like a passive thing, and mm-hmm. they don't actually know or care. Yeah. I want how do you how do you how do you change this? Well, I mean, you're doing it. You're changing it. So, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so uh, this is what's interesting. So, you know, I had the special election, right? This is when I went up uh, after Congressman Cummings passed away. I actually ran before, you know, against now Kwaeson Uh He's now the incumbent because of the special election. Anyways... Uh, What we found out through that special election, because we had the mail-in ballots, right? The coronavirus lockdown. Number one, we couldn't go face-to-face and talk to people, right? Interesting. Number two, the senior black woman isn't on Facebook looking for my virtual conversations, right? So I didn't reach hardly anyone, but we did have a nine-point swing. So all of my votes in the city, I have uh, Howard County, Baltimore County, and Baltimore City. Um, 42% of my votes in the city came from Democrats and independents. So I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody wants to change, and I haven't even talked to them, right? Um, So with that, you know, now you fast forward. We saw with the mail-in ballots, uh, somehow, eighty thousand ballots went undelivered.
2: Yes, I saw that.
1: How did that happen, right? And then, so we're like, okay, so we lost. We got it. You know, I know the general primary is coming up. Um, I'm feeling pretty confident about it. I said, but now we got to go figure out what happened with these ballots and who didn't get them. So we spent a lot of time in West Baltimore in the areas where you saw me take my campaign ad. And so in those areas, you know, we're talking to people We're like, hey, did you get your ballot? You know, did you get anything? And people were like, no, I didn't get anything. We talked to them and there was two things here. One, people move around a lot, right? They didn't have an address where those, those ballots came. And then two, the people living in the worst living conditions weren't registered to vote. Oh. So I now our team is out there seven days a week registering voters. We were doing two days a week at first. Now it's seven days a week. Um and then I other my field team is out there seven days a week knocking doors and doing the, the sign waving and all that. So thank goodness I have a team that is working so hard on this. You know, it's it's crazy but That is the issue. We've got people living in the worst conditions, not even taking part in the process. And so we're out there explaining it to them. And I have to say, uh, in the past, I think it's a month and a half, we've registered over 200 voters, right? Um, From what I know, only 17% have registered as Democrats.
0: Oh, interesting. You're you're registering everybody.
1: We are. We're registering everybody. So, you know, independence came up a lot. And Republicans now, because they're sitting there talking to my team about what's the difference. And this is what I was talking about in my RNC convention speech. I go in, my team goes in, and we talk to people. We're like, what do we have to do to get you to vote for a Republican? And they're like, you're the first Republican I've ever met. Hi.
2: Wow. Hi, my name
1: is Kim. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's like, if we're not offering the option, I I can't complain. I can't say, hey, you know, what are you doing? I I can't talk to you like that. Yeah. I have to say, I apologize. Absolutely, I am yeah. so sorry. The party hasn't been out here to offer you an option. Why? I think I <laughs> just ask a simple <laughs> question: oh, yeah. Where's the GOP? So you know when I when I said I wanted to run, um, I was told, and I quote, "Jesus Christ could not win that race. Do wow. not do it. We are not going to exhaust our our donors on you." Wow. And so I said, "All right." Um, I'm not Jesus Christ. I know he's way better than me, but I'm gonna give it a shot, and I'm gonna just try to make my own money. And if you're not gonna help me, that's fine, because I've gotten pretty far in life without you know a ton of help, and I think I can do it.
0: And now you have, I think, one of the most viral political ads ever, probably.
1: Thank you. I, well, I wish I'm, I could I'm, take all the credit for it. it. It's not. <laughs> a, I'm not. I'm not trying to compliment. It. It's, it's a fact. So this it's is so cool. August
0: seventeenth. Democrats don't want you to see this. They're scared that I'm exposing what life is like in Democrat-run cities. That's why I'm running for Congress, because all black lives matter. Baltimore Baltimore matters. And black people don't have to vote Democrat. Help us win. And, of course, it's you walking through the streets of Baltimore. 12 million views, 162,900 retweets, 317,000 likes. That's amazing. Yeah. I, think, I think you struck a chord with a lot of people. Because I'll tell you what— um, that re- I, I know I mention it a lot I'm from Chicago but I watched that and I was like yup I know exactly what you're talking about and I didn't, I didn't grow up in the black community or anything like that like you did you have a, a, you know, a kind of different perspective in that regard but it's the same thing I see Yeah, I grew up in a city that it was just Democrats all day every day nothing else no matter mm-hmm. what and then it felt like things only ever got worse for us or we only ever got screwed over you have people would just it's the craziest thing when I was told to go vote I was told just do Democrat all the way down I was like, who am I supposed to vote for? I just vote for all the Ds. I'm like, okay. And that was me when I was like 18 or 19 or something. Wow. But that's, that's I don't know why. I guess I, you you, you, brought it, you brought it up earlier. Mm-hmm. This idea that if you're in trouble, the Democrats are the ones that help you out. Yeah. But maybe that's not really the solution. Maybe the solution is hard work, responsibility. Absolutely. Family values. I I had, I had good parents. And so they instilled in me good work ethic and uh, ambition. Mm-hmm and that allowed me to succeed. And I look at a lot of other people I grew up with who did not do so well, who had this mentality of it's not your fault, it's other people's fault. Right. So then they don't actually change their circumstance. But maybe that's the goal, right? Yeah. I have I I want to be careful about how I phrase this, but some people, maybe it's just I should just say it, the, the Democrats created dependency.
1: Yes. I I say that all the time, so you can say it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what's happened. And you know what's crazy about it, I'll talk to some people, you know, I still show up and, and talk to people in the streets myself. And this one guy came up to me the other day and said, you're not gonna cut off my, my food stamps, are you? He's like, you're not gonna cut off my disability, are you? And I was like, no sir, but I just, I just wanna ask you, if you were presented with a career opportunity where even if you, you know, with your disability, you could do that career, and you made great money, and you had health benefits and dental, would you then say, you know what, I'm gonna take that over what I have right now? And he said, of course. And I said, okay. So, you know, is it really, is the question then me cutting off these things or offering you something extremely
0: An opportunity. Beneficial? Yeah. yeah.
1: And so, I think people are starting to understand, and this is what I talk about on my platform all the time. It is the opportunity p- piece you know when you go in west baltimore there is nowhere to work we are a food desert as they call it right there's no grocery store around for miles Whoa. but it's a city that's yeah, weird it is yeah so um it's an interesting situation it's you almost feel like you're not in america especially not in 2020 mm. i you
0: think know? that's like that's actually like a a really easy I don't want to call it a policy position necessarily, but uh, something to look for in terms of solving the problem, mm-hmm. creating opportunities for people who, instead of just receiving benefits, could find a way to generate revenue and help bolster their community. Yeah. But I guess is is there is there anything specific about uh, your you know your district that you've seen? Is there anything specific you would call out for the representatives as to what they should have done, or things that they're not doing, or that you want to do?
1: Yeah, so I I tried to keep it very simple for them in the very beginning, you know, uh, by just showing the trash piling up. I'm like, (laughs) look, you know, you are getting all of this funding, right? Uh, Baltimore City annually, $1.1 billion since 2015 when we had the riots. You're getting all this money, but for some reason in these neighborhoods where they've got low income, they probably don't vote, they don't donate to your campaign, they're just being completely mm. neglected for some reason you can't seem to pick up the trash and this is what's interesting you know i i haven't been in the area that long but i talk to people and they say you know the trash got picked up and twice a week when i paid less in taxes and i said "Well, so now you pay more for the trash to pile up right there down the street you know, rats are running everywhere. Rats in the middle of the day. You know, and this is what kills me. Remember when uh, President Trump was attacked by saying rat infested? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> there was a young lady in my... I was interviewing her. I posted the video, right? And she said, it's a rat infestation. He literally tweeted verbatim what she said. And then all of a sudden, he's attacking Baltimore. <laughs> the best part is she herself was black. Yeah. But it was racist to say those things. What and... Was- uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was just, you know, when everything came out, and this was in July 2019, I, I was in shock. I didn't say anything for two days. Like, I'm getting phone calls, like, are you going to do an interview? Are you going to do it? I was in shock because I was like, nothing that's coming out is actually true. So now what? I know my voice isn't big enough. I know CNN, MSNBC, all those stations refuse to have me on, right? So I can't correct the record. Wow. So was that was that
3: kind of eye-opening for you to watch, to know what had actually happened and then to watch the media yeah. cover
1: it? Like I, I was already hearing about fake news, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But when it happens to you, it's like this feeling like, girl, what, oh my God goodness you know and and then i loved it because brian settler comes on cnn and was like let's talk about who this kim clasic is <laughs> I'm like oh yes, yeah yeah <laughs> and i was like wow. oh tell me about myself mm-hmm, you know yes. and he's like you know she wasn't even elected to the baltimore county republican central committee she lost i'd been on the committee at that point for two years i'm like dude you what? could literally just go to the committee website and see my name
0: so he was, <laughs> he was just straight wrong he was just putting out misinformation oh my
1: gosh everything he said was wrong Meanwhile, at this point, you know, i had bet on Fox News. I'd bet on One America. You could see any interview and hear them say classic. He says Kim <laughs> so I'm Like seriously, <laughs> I'm like
2: you Dude. couldn't
1: even. So not only are all the the so called facts wrong, you couldn't even pronounce my name. Oh, so man. how much how much research did you really do on this?
0: Well, you know, I I, I was mispronouncing Kaylee McEnany's name for like a month or longer, <laughs> and I just it never occurred to me. But uh. To be fair, I just missed that one. That's my, my bad. In terms of CNN, I don't even think they use Google. No, I don't. I don't, don't think he actually looked into who you were or what you were talking about. No. And, and, and I got to say, you know, I, 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 I take particular uh, offense to the left social justice narrative because it's rules for thee but not for me. The idea that they could attack Candace Owens as a white supremacist, but then you could take yeah. a white man, a wealthy white man like Brian Stelter, and he could just totally misrepresent you no one bats an eye. Right. Now I don't care about his race or yours. If he's going to criticize you, I think it's fine so long as he gets the facts right.
2: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But it
0: flies in the face of what their supposed narrative is really supposed to be about.
1: Absolutely. And the fact that his show is called Reliable Sources.
2: I know. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Kills me. It's <laughs> amazing. And yeah. he, and
0: he wrote a book uh, <laughs> called it's it's called uh, it's called like Hoax, I think. And he oh, talks about God. the oh, Fox well, News Trump. pipeline. Yeah Yeah, 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 it takes one, <laughs> yep, yeah, it takes one to no one. Uh, it's about like the Fox News to Trump pipeline. The craziest thing to me, so, uh, you know, throwing it back to the, the, the first thing we were talking about with Trump getting this Nobel Peace Prize. Mm-hmm. When, when the news broke, at first there were like some tweets popping up where they're like, oh, Trump's going to, you know, he's being nominated as a huge deal. So I just, I did a Google search and mm-hmm. I tried to read a bunch of different sources. Yeah. The only source I found that had a neutral presentation was Fox. It was, Donald Trump has been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize by, you know, this guy he's a member of the Norwegian Parliament, who's a conservative, blah, 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 blah. Here's what he said. Then they added in a little Obama criticism. I'm
2: yeah. not surprised.
0: Yeah. All the other outlets were saying he was like a far-right, you know, ultra-nationalist. Like, it, just, it was very, very loaded. And it wasn't telling me about what the guy was saying about Trump or what his goal was. It was trying to insult the guy or, or, or poison the well before I we had a chance to even understand what was happening. And that's the media today. Yeah. Well, outside of CNN, though, have you have uh, any other run-ins with just fake news putting out misinformation about you or your campaign?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, uh, I believe it's is it MSNBC. Yes, Tiffany Cross. Not too long ago, I think. Um, oh gosh, what's the young lady's name on the on the View? Sunny.
2: Boston, yes. No, you know that I don't watch the (laughs) show. It's a lady show. (laughs) They both
1: said that um, we were tokens, and that's why we were chosen to speak at the RNC convention. And Tiffany Cross went to further and said it was a minstrel show. Wow! I I had no idea I was pretending to be black. I've been black for thirty eight years, but yeah, no, it's it's insane. And um, what's interesting about it is I wasn't even chosen by the RNC to speak. It actually came from the Trump campaign. The RNC apparently wasn't too thrilled. They were like, oh, she had a campaign ad. That's cute. But I mean, this is the RNC convention.
3: You were kind of last minute, right?
1: Very last minute. I I found out almost like when everybody else found out. And so uh, that came from the Trump campaign. So, you know, for her to say that the RNC is throwing us in there, most of the black Americans that spoke at the RNC were picks from Trump. You know, this wasn't like some RNC push to say oh look we've got these black people but then it's like you know damned if you do damned if you don't right because if we weren't there then it's oh we're all the black people Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. you know
0: this is why it's it, it it really is easy to criticize their fake ideology this i think the democratic establishment is using the social justice progressive left and pretending like they care it gives them. They, they've really crafted this narrative so they can weaponize it in either direction, like you just said. Mm-hmm. But this, what, what's particularly offensive to me in this regard is the RNC was doing what they wanted. What, what they wanted, right? right? To prop up marginalized voices to express themselves, right. and so they insult you directly with a slur because they don't like that you're speaking as a Republican. Yeah, that's that's that that's the go-to, I guess.
1: It is. But you know, I, I've I'm excited. I go on the View on September eighteenth. <gasps> Ooh, I'm excited! So I get to. <laughs> yep, I'm going to talk to Sunny myself.
3: Do it, oh, <laughs> set her straight. And, I'm and Excited,
0: yeah. You are gonna? Well, I, I I'm I will not go there. I was going <laughs> I don't want to ask about the the racial components involved in. But uh, here, here's what I, here's what I'm to do. I want to jump over. Actually, no. I want to show I want to show this first. Right. This is a story from the Spectator. Oh. Kim Klasek and the Urban GOP effort. Could a simple walk through the streets of Baltimore expand the Republican Party? Now, the the, the general idea that we're seeing, they mentioned that, you know, you, you launched this ad, it goes viral. And we had uh, Billy Prempe on you know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's brilliant. He's a he really is. smart guy. He was awesome. Yeah. And he made a really, really important point about the Republican Party and what they need to do. He's in this district where it's, I think it's like D plus 13 or, some, or, or even more than that. It's like, it's Democrat. Yeah. And so my question to him, which is, I'll have a similar question for you, is it it, it feels like it's going to be a really uphill battle. I mean, for you, you're in a D plus 26 district. Right. So for those that aren't familiar, that means it's like 26% more Democrat or something to that effect, like it Mm -hmm. leans in that direction. But what he said was, no matter what happens, if I win, I win. If I lose, I win. You know why? Because he's there. He's doing the work. He's talking to people, and he's spreading these ideas. Right. And so the crazy thing to me is we, we kind of were broaching this a little while ago, why isn't the GOP doing anything? You mentioned they said you can't win. Don't bother. Right. But how do they ever expect to win if they've abandoned these areas?
1: Yeah. No, I. that's a great question. I don't know. And this is like, you know, even in a special election, I would do hashtag chipping away because you got to chip away right before you, you know, maybe I won't win. But if you don't no, chip away, no, no.
0: you can't say it. Oh, positive mental attitude.
1: Yes. (laughs) I am going to win. win. I'm going to win. But like he said, it's it's a win when you just at least chip away and expose what the other party isn't doing. You know, when we did the whole when I uploaded the videos about the trash and I have to say at that point in time in July 2019, there were I think it came down to close to 70,000 backlog cases in the sanitation department. The Department of Public Works is what picks up the trash in the city. They went to City Hall. City Hall was like, why aren't we picking up the trash in some of these areas? Um, And they said, well, we need more funding. That's always it, right? They always need more funding. Um, Then, you know, after Trump calmed down, he wasn't really talking about Baltimore anymore. You know, Congressman Cumming passes away. Uh, Basically, I think it was not even five months later, we find out that they've taken that uh, 70-something thousand backlog cases to 260.
2: Whoa. And
1: they didn't get more funding.
2: So So what changed? So I was like, wait
1: a minute. So you picked Hmm. up the trash. You didn't get more funding. What happened? Is it because you got called out on it? Because people started looking into it? You know, was someone investigating? And then you thought, you know what? Maybe we should go pick up the trash. You know, this is the kind of stuff that happens. And it's again, here's a situation where you didn't have to throw even any more money at it.
0: Yeah. It's not even a question of uh, the congressional representative. Where's any representative for these areas to get the job done? Did, yeah. it, did it really come down to you know, your efforts to finally start making people... You know you know what? I'm going to stop right there and put it this way. It's it's like market competition for politics. If the Democrats have a supermajority, it doesn't matter what their goals are, they don't have to do anything. Because mm-hmm. they know people are going to check mark the D on the, on the voter form. Right as long as there's competition in any capacity even if it's a name only people actually have to start working for the people they represent yeah if that's, that's why you said chipping away and that's why I think Billy was saying if he, if he loses he wins because now there's some competition we're going to be coming for you mm-hmm. and we're going to go for it we're going to try and make these changes yeah well so I'll put it this way you, 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 you've, your ad specifically highlights the, tr- the trash mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Scott Pressler right yes. He, yes didn't he go to West Baltimore and he cleaned up
1: Yes. As soon as I post those videos, they came out. Trump was talking about it. You know, he, he messages me and he's like, I'm going to come up there and pick it up. And I was like, OK, but which which street? Because <laughs> All of them. <laughs> I don't know if you've been here, but there's a couple of streets you probably shouldn't do it on. But I will help you out. So he came to town. Um, you know, I was giving him some street names of where I found the trash. It, a lot of it was by Coppin University. Um and he said, "Okay, we're gonna get our team up there." He mobilized all those volunteers. It was amazing. And then you know what was crazy about it? The local media, the Baltimore Sun, then writes, "How dare he come pick that's up the trash?" That's right. Yep. So crazy.
0: That, that that's that's why when uh, when we started this this, this show, they want to end the Nobel Prize because Trump is nominated. Mm-hmm. It's it's the perfect formula of their strategy. So so Scott Pressler and a bunch of volunteers and 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 with you. Are able to actually make this 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 transformation, which is positive for everybody. And I saw the videos he posted. So for those that aren't familiar, it's actually that simple. Uh, Trump said, "What did what he say? It was like a rat infested asshole yeah. or something."
1: A rat infested, rodent infested. Did and he? Yeah. He did I think
0: he. I think head. he cussed at oh, it. He
1: might have cursed,
2: yeah. <laughs> but but
0: but. The, but uh I think what happened was they dragged Trump for for it, but actually someone else had previously said something similar they didn't care yes. about. I think it was John Stewart, actually. Mm-hmm. There was like a clip from The Daily Show way back when where he said Baltimore was, you know, just like... Well, a, our
1: own mayor walked through the year previously and said, I can smell the, dad, the dead rats as she's walking through with press.
0: Here, here's what I love, that they wrote a hit piece about a dude who got volunteers to clean up garbage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we started seeing this narrative that they were just trying to make Trump look good or something. And I started laughing because I'm like, oh, no, you've, you got us. You've tricked us by, <laughs> by going out and cleaning up trash. Oh, no, you've made Trump look good. What? What's, what's, what's the trick there? Right. You, you cleaned up trash? Okay, we're happy. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. That's insane to me.
1: No, it is. And if, you, if people go back and look at Scott Presser's wardrobe, he wasn't even wearing anything that said Trump. That's yeah. what another I mean, he wasn't advertising Trump at all.
3: Yeah,
1: that's what was so crazy about it. He was like him. I really feel like I just got to come pick up the trash. I can't leave kids live there, you know, and that's what all he was trying to do.
0: And he's done it several times. Oh, yeah. And whenever there's like they always try to push the narrative that his real goal isn't to help anybody. It's to make Trump supporters look good and help Donald Trump. And I'm like. I don't. I don't understand how that makes like. How is that a smear against him? He's trying to make Trump look good by going around and cleaning up the neighborhood and and helping people.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Is it bad that he's? You know what, man? Look, if if Trump was an evil villain and he was like, you know, I'm gonna win over the hearts and minds of Americans by helping them get jobs and making the economy better and getting them health care. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. That's my evil plan to win. It's like, is oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> helping yeah, <that's> people. <laughs> yeah, that's the weirdest, weirdest thing to me. That's it's, the
1: best way to put it. Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> but isn't that That's crazy? Awesome. That I know. Yeah, no, it is. The, the, they literally wrote a hit piece on that. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Here's what I'll do. I definitely want to ask you about some of your policies and stuff like this, but I want to show you this graph, and I want to ask you about Black Lives Matter. So this is the uh, overall support versus opposition and uh, neither support nor oppose and unsure. And uh, what I want to do is show net support. So this is where Black Lives Matter stands right now. This is a really interesting thing I noticed that before the George Floyd incident happened, 17% net support for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It peaked around 25% when you know the George Floyd incident happened. Everybody was shocked, I mean, Sean Hannity had come out and said, this is wrong, I can't believe yeah, this. I was shocked, yeah. Then they riot, and they riot more, and they riot more, and they riot more. And now today, net support is six points lower at 11% than where it was before the George Floyd incident. Yeah. So first, I'll just ask you about the riots because these you, you know, a lot of people like to say antifa right mm-hmm. but i've i've said no way man these people are chanting black lives matter yeah they're going out in portland with with Molotovs in seattle they're doing it in the name of black lives matter not antifa not you know marxism or whatever you know people think it's literally about police brutality and issues like george floyd I'm just curious on on your thoughts on that. And then, you know, I got another question for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I am not a fan of Black Lives Matter. You know, it's interesting. I don't know many uh, black Americans that are fans of Black Lives Matter. You know, very interesting fact there. Um, For me, this is a situation where I feel like there's definitely an agenda. If you look at it, and you know, in 2015, after the death of Freddie Gray, we had our riots and the. the I was believing.
0: there. And uh, Adam, you met him earlier. He was there too. Okay, yes. Yeah, we were, so we you
1: saw it up close and personal. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people that were arrested were people that didn't even live there, right? The bad actors are almost being uh, bust in, uh, you know, to cause chaos. And then they leave and they go to another city and do the same. Um, and so it's very interesting to me. I, I don't think it's a real organization. I think it's a front for something else. Um, I'm not going to, again, I'm not into conspiracy theories. Um, I hear the President Trump's administration's investigating it. Really? Yeah. So wow. I'm I'm interested to see what happens.
0: Because I, I know that, I think they have, uh, what's it called? Is it called like Thousand Currents? I think? Oh,
1: I'm not sure. I'll have to look
3: at it.
0: The, up. There's a, the or- yeah, 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 definitely. It. There's an organization that collects money on their behalf. Okay. And then it goes through Act Blue. Here's what's fascinating to me. We keep hearing from people like I think De Blasio said this I could be wrong but there's been several organizations saying Black Lives Matter is not a political organization it's social justice but their fundraising goes through Act Blue which sure does yeah it's the Democrats fundraising right. organization right. so you're going to tell me it's not political it's literally running money through their fundraising arm I know a lot of people have had you know thought there's a bigger conspiracy about people donating to Black Lives Matter and that goes to Biden or something I don't think that's true cuz it, that would be a weird that, that, that's that got to be completely illegal to like take donations for black lives matter and then give it to a political candidate i don't think you, maybe there's something there but uh it definitely seems strange to say the least i don't know if you if you knew this but there was an, a there was another black lives matter foundation based out of i think california that formed in 2014 mm-hmm. and it's very small and the guys brought in like a couple hundred thousand dollars over the past several years and it was just one black dude who was like, I got an idea. I'm going to run an organization. I'm going to raise money. And he said his goal is to bring the police and the communities together so that, you know, the police can be more familiar with the people who live there and they yeah. can know who their police are. And he was basically saying, you know, the, the proximity and, the, and, you know, the, the f- familiarity will help resolve a lot of the tensions, you know, like a cop's less likely to attack somebody if he knows the neighborhood and he might know who that person is. Right. Probably not going to know everybody. But here's right. the crazy thing. They, they went after him. And apparently, some activists got like an injunction to like freeze his donations, go fund me or something like that, like seized his wow. like fundraiser and gave it to the other organization. Yeah, that to me was crazy. I mean, it, I don't. Is
1: it because it was also Black Lives Matter and they own yep. that, right? Okay.
0: Well, I don't think they own it because he had it first. They just came out and said he's not the real one. And he's like, but I've had the name wow. first. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it's crazy.
1: interesting. Well, That's interesting.
0: I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's interesting. You, uh, you mentioned you don't know anybody. Any, you said you didn't know any black people who supported Black Lives Matter, like I for don't, the most part. I don't
1: know. Yeah. I don't. Take a
0: look at this. This is what I wanted to ask you about. I find this is this is interesting. So this is civics. It got one hundred sixty-two thousand two hundred twenty responses from April twenty-fifth, twenty seventeen, to September 9th, twenty twenty, and they say, do you uh, from right, among registered voters, black or African American, eighty-eight percent say they support Black Lives Matter.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and uh, then we got five percent oppose.
1: So that's interesting. I I don't know how I don't know the eighty-eight <laughs> <laughs> percent.
0: Maybe it's but, not. Maybe it's not real.
1: Yeah, I, or, I guess this is what it, this is what I say and people that I know say. Like you said, it goes through Act Blue, right? The money. Yeah. Does have there any been any instances where any of that money has actually gone to the black community?
0: I I don't I don't think so in terms of anything I've seen in the news or in- I
1: haven't found anything. I've I've tried to do some research. Well,
0: you know what they do cuz I've, I've I this is my insight into all these nonprofits. It's a very very clever way to claim that all of the money is for charitable causes, awareness.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, I love those. It's yeah. like the big corporations, right? When you look at Apple, you look at different organizations. They put uh, 100 million million into inclusive training right that the whole like oh we're gonna talk about how to meanwhile you look at how many black people they have in like their top executive positions two percent two percent like so you really care about black lives because you don't you don't hire any black people (laughs) (laughs) right you're not employing them and I'm not saying people should be employed based on their their color but that I find that interesting you know there's a lot of corporations that say they have this this training and they're and they're raising awareness um, but then you look at their executive offices and, and you don't see any people of color.
0: It's, it's corporations trying to shield themselves from the latest trend. Right. And it's going to backfire on them really, really bad. There was a, a post I just saw recently. I can't remember who it was from. But I think something like the New York Times wrote a story saying, like, we mapped the most powerful people in the country. And it's like 18% are non-white. And I think it was the New York Times. And then someone showed that all of the top New York Times staff, it's all white people. So so they they, they want to act like we're we you know we're pointing out a serious problem, but don 't look where we are yeah it 's seriously the rules for thee, but not for me it 's like everything they do
1: yeah no seriously i I was shocked when I saw twitter um their they have their their main Twitter support page, right, and it was all blacked out, like they're so supportive, but we already knew it was already ousted, I think a year ago that they didn't hire any black people, so it was, it's like. You know, I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I know that they're not trying to be a part of that cancel culture, so they're covering their butts, but um, I don't think they realize people aren't stupid. You know, yeah. we see it. So I don't know how we got to this 88%, but I I better do my due diligence and figure it out.
0: You think there's a possibility that you're in a bubble and you're just not yeah, around the people?
1: That could be, you know, West Baltimore, all black. No, uh, you'd no have, I'm not in a bubble. Yeah, you have to. Right,
0: right, right. I, I, have to, I have to ask, though, you know, because...
1: Yeah, no. That's a, you know, yeah.
0: I think a lot of these journalists don't realize they're definitely in a bubble.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. Yes, this is... oh, <laughs> I. So, I get in a fight all the time with, you know, Richard Fowler on Fox News?
0: No, 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 no. Oh, my just, gosh. Who is he?
1: He kills me. So, he's a guy um, that basically lives at Fox News Studio, right? And he... Dykes to come on and tell people, he's a black guy, about how hard it is to be black in America. I'm like, dude, when is the last time you've ever been in a predominantly black neighborhood? He couldn't answer that. He could not. And supposedly he's from uh, Chicago, but not like Chicago, Chicago, because Gianna Codwell called him out on it. And I don't know what the name of the town was.
0: I bet it's Naperville or something.
1: <laughs> he was like, is there like the
0: West suburbs? Yeah. He was
1: like, dude, you're not from Chicago. Don't you claim Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, there is, there's a lot of people in the media that lives in, what, you wait, know, what's in his a name bubble. again? Richard, Fowler. Richard Fowler. Yeah. Yes. I actually was just in a fight with him uh, just last week on Fox News. What do you guys argue about? Um, well, he was trying to tell me how great Biden was, but then oh. it was also telling me how America's policies were so racist. And I'm like, interesting. So Biden had 50 years to change some of those racist policies, but he didn't. So, yeah. And he was vice president for Obama. Yeah. So tell me, tell me again. How is he for black people? Mm. The guy that did the 1994 crime bill. Yes. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Super he's that guy.
0: <laughs> I couldn't figure out where he was from on a quick oh. glance. Okay. But uh, being from Chicago, I, there's always people who say um, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm from Chicago," and I'll say, "Oh, cool. Which part? Well, Naperville." <laughs> oh, 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 it's which, Evanston. Evanston. Yeah. Yes,
1: that's yeah. it. That's, that's it. Oh my gosh, that's it.
0: Evanston. Evanston. Yeah. Evanston. It's Evanston. Look, I'm not gonna pretend like Evanston is the wealthiest place in the world, but it's it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like a north North Side, and it's nice. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, they are definitely nicer, nicer areas of Chicago for sure. Mm -hmm. But if if you tell someone you're from Evanston, they're going to be like, wow, where did your parents work? Like they must have great jobs. Mm -hmm. You tell people from the south side of Chicago and they'll be like, ah, you know, slinging burgers and working in the coal mines, huh? Yeah. So, but but I will will point something out to be fair, although I don't think this impacted him. It's really interesting. We have this defund the police narrative. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was asked about what, she envisions this, you know, will look like if you defund the police, and she says the suburbs. It's really funny when, you, first, just to, to provide a critique on that. Well, the suburbs aren't as densely populated as the cities, mm-hmm. so you have less people per square right. mile. So sure, you'll need less police. It just makes sense. And uh, but, but more to the point, to be fair, uh, people from the poor areas actually go to the go to the north side and go to the wealthier areas to to commit crimes because you can't rob poor people. Right. But you do have more violent crime in the poor areas because of the conflict between people right so if you if you live in a place like Evanston I don't think you're really in a position to criticize someone about living in a hard area and yeah yeah I no, mean, to, to, no. to be fair too I was reading a tweet from uh it was a woman she was white and she was talking about misconceptions around crime and for people who grow up in places like I, I, actually, I'll ask you how your feelings on this in a second. I grew up on the south, southwest side. It was kind of bad, not the worst, because there's other parts of the south side and the west side that are way worse. But there were shootings. There were drug overdoses and stuff. And it was normal to us. Mm-hmm. So when, when, when gangbangers would pull up and start firing guns or when fights would break out and people were armed, we were kind of just like, this is normal life where we are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then when you tell that to other people, they're shocked to hear it and they're scared of it. Not realizing that it's not like every day someone comes out with a gun starts firing in the air. Right. But you hear gunshots at night, you know, periodically. So I'm wondering, uh, you know, is it similar being in West Baltimore with uh, the normalization of potential violence and things like that?
1: It's very similar. It's to the point where shots are fired and nobody even turns around. (laughs) You know what I mean? No one turns around. But a lot of people understand, and this is what I come to understand. Um, just so you know, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on the streets because I want to truly understand from their point of view. Um, but people will say, we know it's usually a retaliation situation. And if I'm not in it, usually that bullet's for someone else, right? Yeah. And I think it's sad that, you know, that is the norm. You know, to walk up and down the streets and to see all the needles, to see just everything out there. And to them, it's normal. Kids walking past it to school, normal day, just walking yeah. up the street. And so that's what it becomes. Like the quality of life becomes normalized and it's getting worse and worse. And so when you're pointing out the trash, you know, you got some people that were saying, well, how dare you point out those streets? We know they're they're filled with trash. We're used to that. You know, it's like, you know, you don't have to live this way. Right. You know, it shouldn't be like this. You know, there shouldn't be 17,000 vacant homes just sitting there. I mean, it's it's insane to me, but I understand it because, like you said, it's normal everyday life.
0: Did, did Elijah Cummings live in the district?
1: Um, supposedly he did. So this is the crazy part about the district. There's Howard County, Baltimore County and then West Baltimore. Howard County is a very wealthy area. Right. Um, and then you have Baltimore County. You go up north. It goes all the way up to the Pennsylvania line. Again, very wealthy. So when this was redistrict in two thousand thirteen, it looked as if he was doing great because you had these wealthy areas right. attached to West Baltimore.
0: And then he could live in the wealthy area away exactly. from Exactly.
1: And so well. when people get on me and they're like, Well, she doesn't exactly live there and I'm thinking, Yeah, I could live in a mansion over in Parkton if you want, you know. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. I could <laughs> spend a lot of time in West Baltimore trying to understand the issues. Yeah, you know, what would you like to come at me with
0: you know you know what i learned about uh chicago one of the one of the problems with solving the problem one of the one of the problems in solving the problems is that if the people who live there are not receiving any kind of support from their locals and they're just going about their lives and there's trash everywhere and there's violence what i hear from people outside saying we're going to solve this problem and you ask them do you, do you know why there's violence in Chicago? And, and uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are not living in Chicago. Do you know what the cause of... You've, you've heard about Chicago gun violence and like they oh, call yeah. it Chirac. Do you know what causes the violence?
1: I would think everything around it, right? The education system, the lack of that opportunity. That is
0: the best answer I've heard so far because <laughs> I mean, it is... It, yeah. So uh, people always say gangs. Oh, yeah! They just
1: jump right up to the gang. They
0: think that gangs are fighting over terror and stuff, and it's not. Right. It really does have to do with the living conditions, the standard of living, the culture, the education, and a lot of. So I, I went on. uh, I I went what's called night crawling. So a local journalist. We met up at like you know two in the morning or whatever.
1: This sounds so fun already.
0: Oh man! But I don't know. (laughs) If you want to be a journalist tracking murders and stuff and like reporting on the stuff. Yeah. Some, it takes a strong stomach. I'll tell you what, and it's 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 you need a strong heart and a strong stomach to see some of these things. But some of the stories that we we went to, it was uh, in one instance, somebody had a personal argument on social media, and so they drove up and started shooting into a building they thought belonged to the person, and it didn't, okay. and two people were killed. Another story, uh, another uh, shooting we found was a guy was gunned down on the sidewalk because. He was smack-talking the other guy on social media. I kid you not. So it turned out a lot of these killings were basically just people had beef. Mm-hmm. And they, for whatever reason, they were like, the solution to my problems, if you talk smack to me, I kill you. Right. So it really does not have a lot to do with gangs. And no. if you don't understand the the community, the culture, and how to solve those problems, because you're just assuming there's like some... some uh Buzzword that can be the easy—it's—it's it's like they think there's an easy, easy, easy solution where it's like if I just take this one piece out of the puzzle, then the problem's solved. Not realizing it's systemic. Right. It's education. It's a lack of leadership. Yep. And I believe a lot of it has to do with what we were talking about earlier. When there's one party rule, there's no competition.
2: Yeah.
0: No one has to come in and say, "Here's my proposal," and when the locals try, they're completely ignored.
2: Yeah.
0: I wonder. I, you know, and when I hear about uh, when I asked about Elijah living in the in in the in the district do you think that they gerrymandered on purpose so that they can live in a wealthy clean area and then represent and ignore
1: it was that and then also so you have to understand also um, in Baltimore City we have 13 high schools uh, where kids graduate unable to do uh, basic math or read or write right and so a lot of those schools are in the West Baltimore area but if you put those on with the schools in Howard County which are great right and in Baltimore County sparks all that then it doesn't look like the schools are that bad, right? So it was literally like they were just making sure, like, okay, yeah, we got this problem, but, you know, put the good areas over it. Hopefully nobody sees (laughs) it. Then it it. averages out. Exactly, and (laughs) that's what it was about, and that's what it was about. And so um, Governor Martin O'Malley actually admitted to redistricting some areas to do, you know, that. And so now, yeah, they're going to look at drawing the lines, but this is why chipping away is so important. Because if they redistrict and you've been chipping away in some of these areas and it actually makes sense, like, okay, Howard County and Baltimore County, they have a lot more in common than anybody in West Baltimore. When they redistrict, chipping away might equal in a Republican win, you know. And so it's like, but if we don't chip away again, we're just not in the running.
0: So just and and just to clarify the idea of chipping away, it's just trying to build up as much support for the Republicans slowly, even if it's a little bit
1: yes and then it takes work I know a lot of people don't you know I understand politics not everybody in government wants to work (laughs) but it does it takes grassroots efforts it takes you getting out there and working every single day
0: so let's uh, let's let's talk about your your campaign yes you 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 became a Republican you said in 2009 yes what what about the Republican Party did you feel like was a better fit for you
1: Um, I think just the whole aspect of personal responsibility like, that's how I was raised. My father uh, was a disciplinarian, but he also says, when you take personal responsibility, he says, Kim, this is the greatest country in the world, right? People are coming here because of the opportunities here. Yeah. Um, when you look at, and this is one of my things about Black Lives Matter, but I won't go off on attention. When you look at African immigrants that come to this country, right? They are black, right? by all appearances there's a lot of them that are very black right and you're telling me black lives matter people are saying you're being pulled over because you're black you're being stopped because you're black I have yet to see a hashtag Nigerian name or hashtag name from like Ghana Cameroon right you don't see names like that hashtagged but they're by all appearances black so Obviously, that doesn't
0: <laughs> did you Did you see that, that NBA story where they were they, they, they were striking over the Jacob Blake thing? Mm-hmm. yahoo Yahoo Sports included this passage where they said some NBA players have taken to purchasing Teslas because they believe cops won't expect a black man to be driving a Tesla. And it was the most ridiculous thing I heard. Because I'm like, dude just wanted to buy a Tesla. Right. I don't think the cops are like, a Tesla? Uh, Oh, it's probably a white guy driving that car. Right. So I'll leave that alone. He's breaking the law. Yeah, I'll leave him alone.
1: Yeah. In the middle of the hood, Tesla.
0: (laughs) Actually, I had had uh, an interesting experience when I was like, uh, I think I was like 19. I met a guy from Haiti. I worked with him at O'Hare Airport. And I didn't know him very well. But he said he didn't like how in the U.S. they try and do all of these politically correct terms for people Mm -hmm. like Asian-American, African-American. And he was like, I'm from Haiti. He's like, I'm not an African-American. I'm I'm, I'm Haitian. Like, don't call me that. Yeah, it's very it's very weird how I think a lot of I, I you know what, man, it's been more and more ever since, especially with Black Lives Matter, that I've started to feel like a lot of the racism we see is actually driven by the Democrats and the progressive left. Absolutely. I know it's kind of cliche to say to someone who's a Republican and been a Republican for a long time. But here I am being yeah. like, hey, wait a minute. They're the ones saying things like voter ID is racist. Right. But uh, actually, yeah, let's let's do this. Let me ask your question, your, your thoughts on voter ID. What do you think?
1: Um, so this is my my idea. So you're saying because I'm black, I can't get an ID to go vote <laughs> if, if that is what you're saying that is racist to say okay so you're basically saying that black people don't get their driver's license don't have a state id aren't smart enough to do it aren't smart enough to bring it uh to go vote no almost for almost everything you need an id right this is again just like we see with the mail-in voting right like i said all yeah, the ballot yeah, yeah. math it's it's about you know a way they can be fraudulent in the process it has nothing to do, but they love to use us as like this thing. Oh, wait a minute. Let's think about the blacks. Can they you, can they rise to the occasion? I don't know. Let's put the brakes on this. But, you know, but it's always and I, I hate to say it, but it's a lot of times it's, it's white officials that are saying that blacks can't handle it. You know, when do we get the microphone and tell you what we can handle?
0: Did you see that Amy Horowitz video? I did not. He went to Berkeley and he asked a bunch of white college students, how do they feel about voter ID? And they all said it's racist.
1: I saw this video, yes. I did, yes I did. And
0: it, it is one of the funniest videos for me, uh, again, like I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a black area. Um, I grew up in a relatively mixed poor area, but it still kind of resonated to me to see regular people understanding, I'll, I'll put it this way, I hate elitism. Mm-hmm. And the, this, this progressive racism is like the epitome of ivory tower elites. Mm-hmm. They think they're better. If you look at the data, th- these progressives tend to be uh, wealthy, college-educated white people. Yes. And they think they're smarter than everybody. Mm-hmm. And they think they're the saviors of all these poor races. But in reality, that mentality is them thinking they're superior to other races.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when I see that video... And my favorite part of it is when uh, Ami Horwitz asks this like middle-aged black dude, you know where the DMV's at? He goes, oh, yeah, it's over on 25th Street. As (laughs) if if he's giving directions. Like, of course he (laughs) knows where the DMV is. Yeah. Do you know anybody who doesn't have an ID?
1: I don't. But this is, you know, I don't know if a lot of people have seen that video of Candace Owens in front of Congress. Um, And I think Jim Jordan was asking questions and there were three white women telling her how oppressed black people are <laughs> i remember that yes yeah, yeah. she had on the blue blazer yeah. and yeah, she's yeah. like that's interesting i've been black my entire life oh. and i am not feeling oppressed today but I'm, I'm so glad these three white women are telling me this
0: isn't like, isn't candace kind of like isn't she rich like i'm assuming she's very successful
1: yeah i mean <laughs> i would think so um you know I, I even if she isn't rich she's not oppressed right yeah and you know it's amazing to me but again this is what we see all the time you know people actually look at the crowd in some of these black lives matter um protests or riots a lot of times it's white people yeah oh totally with the black lives matter shirts on and i'm like well where are the black people
2: you know I,
0: i heard a story out of i think it was portland where a woman was like yelling at protesters where are the black people at because it was a bunch of white people riding and acting a fool. <laughs> and she was like, what is this? Yeah. Like, what are you people doing? There's you're, you're not there. There's actually a bunch of videos like this, though. There's one video where black women stop Antifa from trying to graffiti and start fires. And it's crazy. In one of them, there's like this white woman spray painting. And two black women are like, stop bringing that stuff to our neighborhood. And the white women actually say to the black women, no, no, it's OK. We're helping you. And we're like, we're fighting for you. And it's like, dude, you're destroying their neighborhood. You're not helping right. them at all. Right. It is, it is this. You, uh, you, I bring this up a lot I have to though but you, do you know about what's going on with Repeal Prop 209 in California Somewhat It's the Democrats wanting to repeal the civil rights uh, Provisions yeah. in the constitution How, how is, Am I just naive or is The Democrats opposing civil rights And they're pushing racist Policies and they think Many of them not all of them but they think they're Superior and they're the saviors and all that stuff
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you take a good look at, and this is why I think we're always being divided into these little boxes, you know, like your friend was saying, the Asian Americans, the African Americans, even though he was Haitian, it's almost as if we're now pushing segregation, you know? I,
0: I think we definitely are.
1: And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're rolling back so much of what we fought for. And if civil rights leaders were alive today, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was telling people, "Don't judge me based on my color of my skin, but the content of my character"? That's the opposite of what we're doing today.
0: Have you seen that book from uh, I- I- Ibrahim? Ibrahim a- X mm-hmm. Is it Abraham or Ibrahim?
3: I B R A M. Ibrahim. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, have you heard of it? Have you heard of him? He's got one of the top books in uh, anti racism. There's a book he wrote called "How to Be Anti Racist." Okay. There's a passage that says. Uh, the only he said something like, "If discrimination is creating race uh, equity, then it is racist. If it's creating uh, it, or if it's creating inequity, it's racist. If it's creating equity, it's anti-racist." Therefore, the only solution to past discrimination is present discrimination, and the only solution to present discrimination is future discrimination. Wow! Quite literally, saying yeah. we must discriminate based on race. So mm-hmm. when I see that that book is a top is a bestseller. And then you look at, like, white fragility. And, and there's many other books in a similar vein. And it's not just white people who write it. It's, it's also black people. It's also, you know, it's people of all races.
1: You see Oprah Winfrey picks. I mean, it's like...
0: They're, they're straight up saying we got to be racist. Yeah. But they, they're trying to change the definition of racist so that they, like, I, I guess it, it seems like at certain points these people realized we don't like racism. We want to be just friends and hang out and break bread and, you know, stand by the water cooler talking about what we like. And they realized that if they were going to bring back segregation and discrimination, they had to alter the definition of racism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's what they've done. Yeah. Now it means prejudice plus power and you have to have institutional authority or something like that. So now when they write books, quite literally saying that, for one, they are avowed racists. Like, you've heard of white fragility. Mm-hmm. The woman straight up says she's uncomfortable, like if she walked into a room full of black people. That, that's crazy to me. Right. Right. And then she's going to start uh, essentially lecturing everyone else on what on their behavior and people adopt this, so for me, having grown up uh I'll put it this way, I grew up pretty lefty when I was younger, mm-hmm. became kind of just like uh, around the Obama time, I was like more of a moderate, still kind of progressive, and uh, voted for Obama the first time mm-hmm. and I'll tell you for me what when when I snapped, it was like literally a month later when he drone bombed a village of women and children, and I was like, wow yeah, it was like so much for that, I guess. And I tried to be optimistic, like maybe he's got to wind things down because he just came in and no, no, <laughs> no. no. So, so, so for me, that was like, I'm out. But I think there's a lot of people who have always been outside of the Democratic Party and have viewed them as always racist because their history was racist. Yeah. And so, I don't I don't I don't know what happened in that period after civil rights up until whatever's going on now. But it definitely feels like they're going backwards. They're rewinding the clock toward segregation. We just had that story out of uh, University of Michigan-Dearborn where they created a non-POC cafe, which was a... a, a you, 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 Stop. Not, not kidding. <laughs> not <laughs> I wish kidding. they were joking. They, apo- they, they didn't... They, 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 they fake apologized for it. like they ha- So basically, they did a POC cafe. They're not physical spaces. Okay, first, clarify. Okay. They were like digital, uh, digital round tables. And they okay. had one just for... They said non-POC, I think we know what that means. The white people. Right. And they said it's facilitated by a white person for, it's facilitated by non POC with non POC to talk about their non POC feelings and community. And then they had the POC one. And I'm just like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that where we're going? So, wait.
1: So, when did they meet and hear about each other's feelings?
0: I, I don't know <laughs> if it happened. They, <laughs> they issued an apology for the terminology okay. they used. They said, we're so sorry about the terms we use to describe our it's quote not unquote even- cafe.
1: A productive situation
2: <laughs> Seriously
1: not. I mean this is awful and you know what really kills me I love when um, liberals get really upset when they say oh someone's racist and then that said person is racist uh, that they're claiming is racist then says well I'm not racist I have black friends and they're to say oh that's just a racist thing to say <laughs> I'm like no it's not okay racists don't have black friends right, okay? right, right. <laughs> like they don't they don't and so you know it, it's now it's like just attack everybody and anybody that is not a person of color and tell them basically they are racist um they harbor these inner racist feelings and now they're just now coming out because president Trump is now the president
0: yeah what does Candace Owens said that that makes her a white supremacist in their eyes I don't know not I mean look even even if like now, I I can't I can't even say it. She doesn't talk about anything pertaining to white people in that, in that regard. Like she's not talk she talks about responsibility, conservatism, the black family. Right. I'm like, "What where where, it, where in that is race? Where in that is her supporting whiteness or whatever?" Yeah. I guess when you look at the 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 weird definitions, if you if you've seen like there was something um it was in the S- Smithsonian what was it? It was like the the, the
3: um, National Museum of African American History or something. Okay. The,
0: have, have you seen this chart where they explain what whiteness is?
1: I think I did see this. Yes.
0: Man, truly amazing. This is this is really a huge smack Same. in the face for me. Being like, I, I can still, I still consider myself to be liberal. I just don't think the Democratic Party represents what I you know yeah. what I look for anymore. It says it said hard work is white is is a white a trait of whiteness.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I saw uh, that. Are you yes. nuts? Yes. And then being on time, wasn't that a thing? Yes, that being, was a on- thing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> being on time. It's like, wow. I mean, it's, it's sad. I don't know where we're going, but you know, this is why I'm glad I'm running for office. And yeah. uh, I hope more people that feel like we're going in a dangerous situation uh, run for office as well. Um, I always consider myself, because I've had a nonprofit for eight years, Fiscally conservative, socially liberal.
3: Yeah. How do you, so can you tell me a little bit about your nonprofit, about your um, efforts there? Because that was really interesting to me.
1: Thank you. Um, So I started it, basically I was working at a hotel in Georgetown University Hotel and Conference Center. I moved to Baltimore about 10 years ago when I met my husband, right? Now at that point, fiance, Um, and the commute was a long commute, two hours, Mm -hmm. one way. He's like, just stay home, you know. Um, but, you know, you can only do so many loads of laundry where you're just like, okay, you know, I'm smarter than this. You know, not to say it's a bad thing, but I wasn't even taking care of any kids. I was just sitting there <laughs> at home. So I wanted to start a, um, a nonprofit to help young women that might have had um, traumatic life experiences but were overcoming and doing well. Very good. And so I decided to help these young women with prom. And um, these are girls that basically had good grades, had a plan after high school, whether it was college or going straight to work, you know, um, that couldn't afford prom. And so I would collect prom dresses. Uh, I took all these prom dresses into this high school and the girls are like looking at the dresses and they're like, oh, my God. And I'm like, yes, I got so, so cool. many. Right? They're like, no, are these from 1982? Where did you <laughs> okay. get these dresses? And I'm like, OK, you've got a point there. So we actually took those dresses. We sold them on eBay. And with that money, we actually bought them dresses. And then we were able to spend money on their hair and their makeup. And they had like these whole makeovers. And it was awesome. Um, But when I went to one of the prom send-off parties, uh, one of the moms uh, came to me. And she was like, you know, I wish I could offer you something to eat. You know, she's like, you can come and sit down in their living room. There was uh, like lawn chairs for their furniture. And, you know, I know this young woman would tell me all the time how their electricity was on and off. And she was sometimes doing her homework by candlelight. Yes. And so I'm talking to the mom and she was like, I would love to go back to work. I just don't know how to do it. And then a light bulb comes on. Oh, yeah. right? And you're like, oh, wait a minute, Kim. If you get parents you know, back to work, of course they can afford prom and everything else. So I, I totally switched gears after the first year. Um, and I started helping women coming out of incarceration, rehabilitation, and homelessness uh, through nonprofits that already existed. Their employment specialists would call us and say, hey, can you get her ready for a job interview by Tuesday? Um, and so we were still collecting these donated clothing and then just set up selling them on eBay, and we would give them entire makeovers. Wow. That's so neat. Yeah. So we have wow, a
0: lot this episode. Yeah,
1: <laughs> over 200 women become gainfully employed. 30% went on to be financially independent. But that's to me the only way you're going to lift anyone out of poverty is with employment. And so I think people need to understand that, you know, and, um, you know, that's why that's, you know, a major part of my platform is people becoming independent
3: so yes yeah. to me that's like that's really unusual because it's so consistent between what you say about wanting people to take personal responsibility and your you know your nonprofit and mm-hmm. getting these girls to take responsibility and rewarding them for doing so and then doing the same with women who wanted to go back to work i think that's a wonderful thread to carry through
1: thank you thank you it's it's and it's so simple right so we didn't get any funding we didn't get any grant money we didn't get anything yeah um we were just like all right how do we make money eBay, you know,
3: yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know,
1: and it's just literally just taking a regular idea and saying, All right, this is how we got to, you know, tackle the issue. But this is what's crazy about it. Like, I'm a college dropout myself. I didn't finish, it wasn't for me. I dropped out. But here we have these politicians that, with all these degrees, and they supposedly know all this stuff, right? And they could come up with these innovative ideas. Yet no one seems to be able to tackle this situation that we see in the inner cities. And it's like, well, well, are you really the smart guy? I think you're smart enough to do it. You just don't want to do it. And that's where I have the issue.
0: Dependency. Yeah. If you had a bunch of free thinking, independent people, they wouldn't want to vote for you. And they want guaranteed votes. Mm -hmm. If you were stuck on benefits, and I know people who have gone through this where it's very difficult to get off the cycle. Yes. Then you're going to keep voting for the person who says, don't worry, I'll keep it coming. Right. That's a bummer.
1: It is a bummer. And this is why, you know, I, I really started doing some research. And um, I don't know if people are familiar with Derron Smith. He works with the Trump administration. He helped with prison reform and the First Step Act. And, you know, everyone says, oh, he's that one black guy that works at the White House in the West Wing. <laughs> and it's like oh my gosh. he's not the only black guy. He's just like the one with the the biggest position over there. But, you know, he talks about how, you know, you've got Section 8, right? Section eight housing vouchers um, with those vouchers. Um, it came with basically having the man leave the home so the women could get them. And that's still how it is today. That's awful. But then, you know, he said, I started thinking like, uh, you know, if you've got section eight, is there a section one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? And so he looked it up and, you know, we're looking at it. Section three says the same thing as section eight but the dad can stay in the home.
2: What? Wow, That's
3: crazy.
1: So why on earth, and this is one of those things I talked about with Richard Fowler, if you could change the policies, right, to make things a little bit better in the black community, like Joe Biden supposedly wants to do 50 years later, why not replace section eight with section three? If, if that's where you want people to be, dependent, and then to me, that brings in, what, two incomes in the household, you know, then you're weaning people off of it, the father's still in the home. You've got the family structure piece. Why did we go with Section 8 over Section 3?
0: Do you see the Black Lives Matter mission statement?
1: Uh, how they want to dismantle the family?
0: Disrupt the nuclear family structure or something to that effect. Yeah. Why yeah. would they want to do that? We, we've, we know, we, we, we've looked at a bunch of studies, and right now some of the data I've read says they don't they don't know necessarily if it's a father and a mother or just two parents in general. It might just be as simple as two parents because you have double income and you have someone to be with the kid and, and you know. Mm-hmm. But regardless, the data shows that uh, two parents, a traditional family structure or however, as long as it ends up with the parents, you know, being able to raise their kid, they they prosper. Right. And in single-parent households, they, they struggle. Right. Or they're more likely to, I should say, not, not, not a guarantee. Right. Why would you actively try to encourage that?
1: Right. The only thing I can think of is – There aren't actually black people writing the mission statement for Black Lives Matter. I wouldn't be surprised. That's the only thing I can think of. Because if you are black, you know, what is it, about 70% uh, black children are living in a single mother household. We know which friends uh, became successful and which ones didn't. And we know what their childhood was like. Um, You know, that's not news to us. They do have that data down, right? But we know that just based on how we grew up and who we grew up around. So it makes no sense.
0: So let me, uh, let's go, let's go to some policy stuff. You've got yes. policies on your site. What do you want to do? What's your, what's your, first yeah. of all, what's your pipe dream? What's your pie in the sky? If you, if you get, when you get elected, yes, you've got some things you want to do.
1: Absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, like I said, I talk about employment, right? But not just jobs, right? We're always talking about raising a minimum wage. What about careers, right? Some real good salaries with benefits. Um, as we saw with the lockdown, we relied on other countries for PPE. Why not bring that billion-dollar medical equipment industry right back to America, right? That would bring back this, these, you know, we were a manufacturing powerhouse at one point in Baltimore. We have the second-largest, busiest port at one point uh, right there in Baltimore City, right? Our, our port is the same size as a port in Connecticut where they've got the submarines, you know, they've got the, the windmills, all the jobs, right? They've got so much going on there. We have the same exact size. And we've got, what, two cruise ships coming in a week (laughs) going back out. We're not utilizing at all. Um, So this is what I talk about a lot. This is what I talk about with Duran uh, over at the White House. And this is why President Trump tweeted, you know, Kimberly Klasick will bring it back and and bring it back fast because he knows that we've been having these conversations. Um, Opportunity zones, a big deal. Uh, the Trump administration in the past four years has taken $75 billion and invested in opportunity zones in these Democrat cities that have been just left neglected. Um, what's interesting about it is when you look at the opportunity zone map in Baltimore City, you will see that the neighborhoods that I was walking in, in my video, Sandtown, Easterwood, Carrollton Ridge, um, those areas were left out of the map. And what's interesting about it is my opponent writes this op-ed saying it was President Trump, but he did not, he didn't do the Opportunity Zone map. That was left up to local leaders, right? But but people believe that because they don't do their research and see, you know, who wrote this map. And So anyway, so I actually took some community leaders in January down to the White House to meet with Duran and talk about what they can do. And I posted that picture not too long ago. Um, you know, we had something uh, back in the day, I think it was called Empowerment Zones, Uh, which is similar, and I actually got a lot of crap from uh, some Republicans on Twitter because I said, you know, we had something similar. It didn't really work because we gave local leaders way too much power and control. Mm. I said, if we do opportunity zones right in Baltimore City, we're going to have to do a carve out because our local officials are way too corrupt and we're going to be in the same situation. Just because I said, I like Trump's opportunity zones, but I'm going to request a carve out. I got a phone call from black voices from Trump, and they said, how dare you say that? <laughs> and I was like, dude, what? No, L- look at Baltimore. Look at our history. Bill Clinton did the same thing with empowerment zones. It didn't work. Local officials got involved, right? So anyways, they weren't happy about that. But I did go down, and I talked to jerron about it. You know, we were looking at it, and he goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. There needs to be a carve-out, or we need to f- change the structure here. So that's my big push. Uh, As we know, there is a trucker shortage across this country. Um, I know, you know, eventually, you know, technology will probably give us, what, trucks that drive themselves, the drones that are dropping off boxes. Totally, Uh, But we're not at that point yet, and we have a lot of people in the area um, that could benefit from going to that CDL six-week program. Uh, to get their license That'd be great, yeah. yeah, and we you know the six weeks, two thousand dollars per person, we are supposedly getting one point one billion dollars a year i don 't know where it is
0: <laughs> someone's but, pockets are lined with gold,
1: exactly, but you know when I talk to people in the area, they say, you know that would be great. We would love to do something like that, and, and that 's an easy class there's uh nonprofits, Maryland new directions there 's all these people that actually do the behind the wheel training, all states involved in it, six weeks. Six weeks, we can get someone. You know these trucker positions. Um, you know we've got Amazon right there in Baltimore too. Um, and uh, you know I would hope that we would offer them more warehouse spaces that we can actually do this.
0: Even even if we get these self-driving trucks, mm-hmm. we need local drivers because yeah. the self-driving trucks stop outside the cities, and then you need a driver to bring them in. Right. So that'd be that would be, be, yeah. be huge. That's yeah.
1: A, yeah, good point there, Tim. Um, and then uh, of course education. Uh, I'm talking about school choice. So this is. Uh, The easiest way uh, to I've been able to explain it, where people are able to digest it, Um, I say, look, you know, your schools are not that great in this area, right? Sometimes schools need a little competition, right? We do have some charter schools, and they do great. Um, But I say, just think: if you say, you know, your kid has always wanted to run track, and you think they'd be really good at it, just think: if you could send your child to a school with an actual track team. Just think if you could send your child to a school with a golf team or a swim team and you know that they would excel at this and they're like, "Yes, I want that opportunity for my child." I mean, look at look at the way the college system is set up with minority scholarships. You know, my stepson, he wanted to play golf. Um, you know, I'm like, "Yes, go play." Right? <laughs> you know, here is a a Black American wanting to play golf and he was good. You know, go get those offers. Go get the scholarships. Those opportunities exist. They're already there. Um, so there's things that you can do. And, and that's how I, I really explain um, school choice. I mean, we got to do something with the education system anyways. Um, Baltimore City uh, CEO, the public school CEO, Sonia Sanchez makes $350,000 a year. And we've wow. got so many kids. Why? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. A lot of money. You know, the administrators make a ton of money. Yet the kids still graduate, I'm able to read, write, or do basic math. Yeah. So that's a problem. And then I have I have this idea. All oh. right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, you know, everybody be kind, your listeners there. <laughs> of course. So I've been spending a lot of time on the streets, right? And I came up with this idea called survivor to investor. And I've actually proposed this to Duran Smith at the White House and other people. And Survivor to Investor uh, is basically talking about, all right, you know, you know you're know, you from Chicago. Mm-hmm. You've got the corner boys and then you got the shooters. Two totally different people, right? The corner boys are usually corner boys because that's how they got to make money.
0: Well, So what's a corner boy?
1: Oh, the, co- the corner boy is the, 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 the kid standing on the corner selling drugs. He's not, you know, shooting up. You, you know, right, he's, right. Not, he's not the gang banger. That people like to talk about you know he's literally maybe selling marijuana on the corner and he's got five siblings at home and mom hasn't been home in a week but somebody's got to feed these kids mm-hmm. those are the corner boys right it happens all the time we've got squeegee kids I don't know if you have squeegee oh, yeah. kids you know those are we, also. We,
0: Chicago also has the uh, the fundraising for jerseys which they're not really doing do you guys oh. have that in Baltimore where they They'll go around and say, like, hey, I'm fundraising for, for school uniforms.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yes. And they're really no. just
0: selling candy. Right,
1: they got the candy, yes. Yeah, and I'm I like, feel so I, bad for them, yes, because they're... I,
0: I, I kind of don't feel bad because these are entrepreneurial <sighs> kids. They went out and yeah, bought a no, bunch of candy. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I do,
1: but I just feel bad that this is their, their situation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I feel bad. Um, okay, so Survivor to Investor. So basically, we always talk about amnesty for illegal immigrants, Right. Hear me out here. (laughs) (laughs) What it is a little edgy. I talked to a lot of corner boys or those that are a little bit above the corner boys, but again, they're not the ones with the violent criminal activity. They're not, you know, the ones with the background and the history. Uh, I talked to this guy. His name is Roe, and he goes, "Kim, um, I would love to get involved in real estate." And I was like, "Well, considering there's seventeen thousand vacant row homes in your neighborhood, that's an awesome idea." So we go over to his car and he like pops open the trunk. It's got a bunch of cash. And I'm like.
3: Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> First, you know, I didn't see this. Second, 2nd <laughs> I'm like, why don't you don't have a bank account? Like, what's going on? He goes, no, I, I can't put this in the bank. You know, I don't trust anybody. So I just ride around with it. So I'm looking in the trunk and I'm like, dude, you you have enough to buy probably a whole block here, Wow, right? Because a lot of these row homes, they've been vacant so long, they're maybe what, $3,000, right, to buy? So I'm like, all right, now what, now what? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I was like, all right, what if for 365 days, we had amnesty for the corner boy? What if, for a year, we didn't ask him where the money came from? We allowed them to invest in the property Put those homes in a program that put people on a pathway to home ownership. What if they turn those stash houses where they're stashing the money and they invested those those same dollars into that home? And we only did it for 365 days because at some point we want them off the streets. Right. Or else they'll just keep flipping it. And so I say, what if we provide amnesty for the corner boy?
0: This is a really interesting idea. I do think there's a, a potential shortfall in what if what if they say they're a corner boy just selling pot or something, right?
1: And this is and so this is different, right? So then and this is why I bring Jerron in, who's like a great policy advisor, and he would help me write it up. And he said, I think there's a way to work it. I think there's a way to work it
0: because you might have someone who's actually doing something else. There could yes, be, absolutely. Yeah, just trying. to. Absolutely. So th- so I actually I, I tweeted something out saying, do you think Trump should pardon all nonviolent marijuana offenders at the federal level and then, you know, do an executive order essentially legalizing marijuana? It wouldn't literally. It would just like, you know, he could instruct the feds to ignore it or something. Right. And um, almost everybody said yes, but some people may have taken a plea deal. So their charges got reduced. Mm-hmm. They may have been a violent offender. Right. But uh, it's, it's, it's similar in that regard because I'm straight up like, I think Trump should just take a big old stack of uh, nonviolent offenders for pot charges mm-hmm. after, after they've reviewed uh, reviewed so that these are not, you know, not like people who down from violent offenders and just start rubber stamping pardons. Just like. Yeah. Like get these people out of prison for this nonviolent, you know, stuff yeah. because they wanted to smoke a plant. We've, we're already seeing this stuff recreationally, legally across the country. Yeah. So it's it's similar in that regard. Yours is a little different, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, just to just to kind of you know graduate from that point, how do you feel about the idea of pardoning nonviolent drug offenders? I'm for it. Yeah, I'm
1: for it. You know, I this is what's so crazy about Baltimore, and you know, you look at you know 1987, 1996, when my my opponent was in office. This is when they were actually criminalizing those that were addicted to crack. Right. Drug oh, addiction yeah. to me is, it's, you know, it's a disease, you know, it's when you talk to people, and this was so interesting, and I found out learning, you know, through my nonprofit, when I talked to the women that were incarcerated, I would say 95% of those women were incarcerated, because they were dealing with some guy that what they were helping, you know, commit a crime. Yeah, it's usually not the woman at mm-hmm. all. You know, she had low self-esteem, didn't understand her self-worth, didn't know that she should have been a confident woman and not in that relationship, you know? And that all stems back from the childhood. That's a cultural thing. Yeah. And so, you know, what we're doing is we're throwing this blanket constantly over everyone. And we really got to, like, you know, roll our sleeves up and figure out these situations because everybody's experience is different. You know, when people tell me, oh, cops are racist and da-da-da, they might have had an experience with racist cops i can't take that away from them yeah you know Uh, but that's what we have to understand about each other and like you said i think young people do yeah i think young people do um and you know but i don't think we can wait until it's just young people you know as as the the generation uh, on top here i think you know we have to get everybody on board and
2: understanding
0: yeah you have any uh any foreign policy thoughts this is usually a tough one for a lot of people because I think it's important a lot of people are focused on our own communities Yeah, and it's one of the reasons I take foreign policies so seriously You know when I hear about what's going on in Flint and then hear about the amount of money we've spent overseas Most people can't tell you what we've done with it Right, yeah, so I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm curious just your thoughts in general not, If you have something specific or just you know generally thoughts
1: well, I support Trump uh, not supporting war, you know, as we say. It's usually the civilians that get hurt the most. Yep. Um, you know, I, I guess I I say, you know, think about if it was you living in this country, your family living in this country, right? And here you got bombs coming down on you uh, because of some war, because something that might have happened over here. You know what I mean? These kids don't understand any of that stuff. Right. And I don't expect them to. Um, you know, I, I read a little bit about, uh, I guess it was Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz talking about, you know, not supporting any Lebanese government that uh, was dealing with Hezbollah. You know, there's there's certain actions I think we can take uh, without hurting civilians or hurting anyone. You know,
0: definitely. I uh, notably uh, in regards to what you said about the kids not understanding the bombs coming down, the CIA has referred to this as blowback. We 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 take issue with a certain faction or whatever. We send drones, kids get hurt, they grow up and become enemies of, of, of the United States. Right. And then we end up with, you know, a, a lot of the problems we see, particularly in Europe, was these, these uh, foreign wars, the destabilization, resulted in refugees, and then you get a European, European refugee crisis. It's, it's substantially more complicated than that. Uh, the, the simplest way I can put it, as to why I wish, you know, more people were in, like, actually, let me stop there and say this. Donald Trump bringing our troops back, negotiating these peace deals. Why don't I see every progressives out there out, out there cheering for yeah. Trump right now? Yeah, because they hate him so much. And unfortunately, I think it's because they believe a lot of this fake news. Yeah, Trump's got his problems. I was reading something; it was really funny. They said Trump ha- is like the epitome of character defect of a president. Mm-hmm. But if he's doing the things that are right, that are going to end these wars, bring bring about peace, then we have to recognize, even if you don't like Trump and you think he might be bad for the US, you have to, uh, you you can objectively state the peace agreements in the Middle East that he's accomplished are going to be good for everybody. So can't you accept that? And I look at it like, okay, even if you think Trump is like a really bad president, you got to admit these peace deals are good and getting our troops out of these other places is a good thing for the rest of the planet. I think it's good for us and, you know, across the board. But even, even, it's, it's, it's too impossible for a lot of these people to accept Trump is doing something good. So he does it, they offer him you know, he gets nominated for a peace prize. They say, end the peace prize. Don't give it to him. (laughs) He doesn't know we shouldn't have it. And it's just, yeah. Oh man.
1: No, it's sad. It's sad. And this is basically what we're talking about is, is common sense and logic. Um, But we, we seem to lost a little bit of that. And and of course, with the fake news aspect, you know, if you, if you were sitting around listening to fake news all day, you know, you might believe it, right?
0: You'll believe it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And so it's, I know it sounds, you know, sad, but you know the media has a lot, a lot to play in this. And I remember a lot. Yeah,
2: Trump's
0: running against the media. Exactly. Joe Biden's in the basement. When when Joe Biden can't finish a sentence, the I understand why the media does this. Right? Joe Biden will say something that's nonsensical, Mm -hmm. and you can kind of give him the benefit of the doubt on what he's trying to say. But when the media writes it up, they cut out the ums and ahs and gaffes mm-hmm. and string the sentence together perfectly. So if you're just reading the quote, Joe Biden says, it's about time we bring our factories back and build back better. And you're like, I get that. When you listen to him, it's, yo, we got to bring back the, the you know, <laughs> I'm, the, 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 you know, the factory. And you're like, but yeah. the media will write it out perfectly. Whenever I see these stories, I get mad. I'm like, dude, he said, you know, um, come on, like three times in that sentence. <laughs> you can't just cut that out and call it a quote. Right, You know, because you're paraphrasing. Right, But it's the media that's crafting the narrative. And so it's yeah. Trump versus the media. And this election, it's a referendum on Trump.
2: It
1: is. It is. And, you know, even though I'm nowhere near, you know, what Trump is. But as far as my race and the local race and what I dealt with with the special election, you know, my opponent was not um, actually endorsed by the Baltimore Suns, the local newspaper. Um, they endorsed Congressman Cummings' widow. Uh, Maya Cummings, yeah, during the primary. Um, Unfortunately, you know, she didn't win. um, But but while she was running and they endorsed her, they talked about my opponent's sketchy past, right? But then, you know, she didn't win. He became the nominee. And then I'm the nominee. And they're like, Kim Klasick is no good for District 7. We nominate, you know, and Fume. I literally go back. And, yeah, then they say, you know, we have heard rumors of his sketchy past. I go back, take the article that they wrote during a special (laughs) primary. and I'm like, dudes, the rumor came from you. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't like I heard a rumor, like you wrote it. So was it not true when you wrote it before? Or is it just not true now because I'm the Republican nominee?
0: You know what? I love this. I love the cycle where there will be like a news report and Trump will see it. And then he'll be like rambling and he'll mention it. And then mm-hmm. the media will immediately flip the narrative like that's not true, so like uh, hydroxychloroquine is a really great example. Mm-hmm. It was TechCrunch and several other outlets that wrote a a study conducted by a French you know doctor shows that hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zpac is, is is potentially good for you know um covid uh, patients and so Trump's like doing his speech, and he goes i heard the, I heard this thing, you hear this about the hydroxychloroquine. it sounds fantastic." Then all of a sudden the media rushes out full speed. It's bad. Don't do it. But he literally just read it on some website. Yeah. It's 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 the media doesn't have a consistent narrative mm-hmm. other than if Trump said it, it's wrong. Right. That's no matter weak. what it is.
1: And that's even what most Democrat candidates are running on today. That's so weak. It is. Right. Right. It is.
0: So how about we take some questions oh, yeah. and uh, definitely try and put you on the spot as much yes, as possible. Of course. So, Visidius <laughs> wants to know your opinion on Section 230 reform.
1: Oh, So, I know Trump is for revoking.
0: I think that's a bad idea.
1: I think it's a bad idea also. Now, I do believe there should be some reform. Like, I'm a conservative, and I know there's sometimes I tweet things, and, you know, I've got, I don't know how many followers now, but... There shouldn't hundreds. be like 16 likes on it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> and, and knowing that my followers are like, you know, people that really support what I say and, and usually, you know, my thought process. Um, so I know all about, you know, the shadow banning and, and all that good stuff. But, you know, revoking it completely doesn't make any sense. But then this is a, one of those things where they just throw the blanket. You know, it's like, come on, guys, let's put some thought behind this. You know,
0: this, this is a 230 uh, is really complicated. Because I've I've had a ton of conversations with people. There's there's a lot of things to it that a lot of people don't understand. We we often hear from conservatives, oh, but Twitter is a publisher now because they've done this thing, and and essentially, if you get rid of 230, for those that aren't familiar, it it, it would basically like decimate conservative media, because now like Trump would try and tweet something, and then Twitter would say, please hold while we review this for publication. It like the internet couldn't function without it, but the problem is what 230 does. It allows these companies to curate in good faith. That's probably why you get shadow banned. Because mm-hmm. Twitter's like, well, you know, this one post is objectionable. So let's just, you know, slow that one down. But this yeah. thing from Antifa where they're calling for direct violence, well, that's totally fine. Yeah. So, you know, I think to be completely fair, um, personally, I wouldn't expect you to come out with this huge list of like drawing up 230 and stuff because it is a, it is partic- it's complicated. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Even for me. And I, I know a lot about it. But, uh, I think censorship is a serious issue and yeah. that's going to it's going to impact you and I will say this I said this a couple of years ago that Republican politicians are stu- too stupid to solve this problem and it's going to come back to haunt them and Republican voters agree for the most part if yeah. the if the if the politicians don't protect their right to speak in some capacity then you won't have it yeah. so I I don't mean that as a disrespect to you or anybody I was trying trying to be you know kind of uh, bombastic in that regard
1: Yeah I mean we I mean it's it's obvious, you know, those on Capitol Hill don't seem to be really with the times, you know. Um, we've seen a lot of those committee hearings when they were talking about social media and oh people man, are like so old. Yeah, they're like <laughs> wait, what? They did it on on the Twitter? <laughs> you know they're like what did they do on the Facebook? <laughs> you know when it's oh like gosh. They have no idea what's going on. But this is another reason why we got to get some younger people out there really running for office, because we got to be able to change with the times. And this is on both sides of the aisle. You know, yeah. you got Mitch McConnell against, you know, Chuck Schumer. You're like, dude, both of you should have retired a long <laughs> time ago.
0: <laughs> totally. You dude, know, don't they'll,
1: like they'll say, both. oh, Mitch is out. He's nursing his broken hip. Well, yeah. what does that do for, you know, those that he's supposed to represent? You know what I mean? It's did like, he really break his hip? He did. He did. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, he
1: was out for about four weeks last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I was sitting there thinking like, hey, I'm a Republican, but I even know this is not cool
0: this is what this, this, you know i'll tell you what i care about i want to see millennials running yeah we it, it, it feels like too many people in our generation are looking at old people so you got trump who's 74
2: mm-hmm.
0: you've got biden who's 77 bernie what is he 78 then you've got schumer mcconnell lindsey graham these are not young people
1: my opponent 74 74 <laughs> just doing that out there
0: wow
2: how
3: old is <laughs> billy Prempy's opponent isn't he like oh,
0: 82? oh yeah he's like, was he 80 82? or
3: something yeah 82 or something wow that's insane yeah
0: yeah why
2: yeah young
0: people man that's what you know there's there's two things here's my kind of a mentality at this point i i think everything you've talked about in terms of policy it's like keeping it simple and it sounds fantastic mm-hmm. uh you know what man i throw my hands up i'm a liberal Uh, That's why I'm like, we must regulate these companies. I've always been in favor of regulating massive multinational corporations that are stealing the commons. Mm -hmm. I meet a lot of conservatives and libertarians who are not because they're like, it's a private business. And I'm just like, well, whatever, man. But now you've got the mainstream liberal Democrats, you know, whatever, saying it's a private business. And I'm like, what? Where where did you go? I don't even know what's going on anymore. (laughs) But I'm at this point. I'm like, listen, man, the riots Mm-hmm. The the eighty years of Chicago's single party rule failures, California mm-hmm. single party rule failures, Baltimore. It's time for some change. It is. And look, you're much young. You're what? Are you half the age of your your opponent?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's get some some people who are younger and eager and have ideas they want to implement and give it a shot.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I I actually agree with nothing AOC says. But I respect her passion. I respect the way she runs her campaign. I respect her hard work and how she got to office with the grassroots efforts. I respect it.
0: I think you agree with her more than you realize. I think it's just how far into what, like, her ideas will you be willing to go. So if AOC says everyone should have affordable health care, I think everybody agrees with that. Yeah. Her ideas just... Now we'll make the government pay for it right. by taxing everybody. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. you know, the yeah. typically, I guess, what is the Republican position right now in health care?
1: Um, do your own thing.
0: Do your own thing. <laughs> no.
1: And I actually do agree with AOC on one thing. I'll take that back. She is for uh, over-the-counter oral contraceptives. Mm. And I am actually for it as well. And a lot of Republicans love it. But uh, for me, again, you know, in the black neighborhoods, there are a lot of young women that depend on Planned Parenthood to get their oral contraceptives. And so people are familiar. This is before conception, because I have a lot of people writing fake news that this is like the Plan B pill. No, this is before the before conception. This is family planning. We have 35 countries around the world that already have it over the counter. 11 of them do it very well we have um free clinics all over baltimore where you can get your pelvic exams we can make sure these women are good candidates um and i think that we should push for that and i tell republicans if you're so for defunding planned parenthood if you take that birth control pill aspect out of it they no longer have that data to show that they need all the federal funding so there's love it. more than one way to skin a cat
0: Let's read some more of the, uh, the questions. All righty. Let's see. Bry says, I think you should change all direct benefits, including housing subsidies and food stamps, to yearly cash payments and let the poor decide for themselves what to do with it. I kind of disagree with that. I really disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of the fence sitter, but what, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, so I understand the thought process behind it. Was it, was it Bri? Right. Yes. Right. I understand the thought process behind it. Unfortunately, you have a situation like we could talk about right now: uh, food stamps. Right. Say so you've got kids uh, in a household; their mother gets food stamps, but the mother decides to take the food stamps, sell her uh, her card or SNAP card, um, and she buys UGG boots and some clothes. Right. I mean, you have these situations where if you're giving them the cash, even in this situation. A lot of times they won't actually go and get what they're supposed to be getting with it. And I know it sounds really bad and it sounds like a lot of government control the way I'm putting it and I probably shouldn't put it this way. But this is almost to make sure in a way that at least you know some kids are getting what they need. I mean, if you gave someone, what are they saying? Bryce saying take the, the housing voucher and just make it cash?
0: Yeah, like your yearly payment so you can decide this, what you need.
1: There could be lots of families living in shelters um and the parent could have you know a new pair of Jordans on. I mean, you, it's 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 not a good idea. Yeah, it's not a good idea. And and it's, maybe it's a cultural thing. And and maybe we should pull back on it. And I am for less government. I am. Um, but I just think right now to do that,
0: you know, you know what I think we're getting wrong. Uh it's it seems like you've got this traditional left versus right argument, Democrat Republican, where Democrats are for social programs, where Republicans aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's nuance, especially, but the way I view it is. The problem with the Democrats' plan for social programs is they want to give people fish Mm -hmm. instead of teaching them how to fish. Correct. So if we had government programs to teach people how to fish, you're creating independence and, you know, self-sustaining lifestyles. Right. I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know how you implement that program because, you know, smarter people than me have tried and probably need to try a lot harder. But it seems like that's the direction we should go instead of giving cash to people or giving direct, you know, payments. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, just giving people things isn't helpful. It's yeah. not helpful, you know? There's that
0: there's that meme where it's like a sign says, please don't feed the animals, they'll grow dependent and keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. And people are like, this is a general principle. Like, we want to foster independence and, and sustainability among, you know, individuals so they can provide for their families. And I think uh, one of the challenges is uh, developing that mentality as well. Yeah. I know a lot of people I grew up around who... Don't understand the concept of being responsible. Outside. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not just about government; it's about their jobs too. Right? Like they don't they don't fathom the ability to raise like to make money on their own.
2: Yeah.
0: They think the only way to make money is to have a job, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You can sell T-shirts. You can these kids selling candy bars. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I respect that. Yeah. They found fa- yeah. they found a way Where to yeah. sell candy bars, and make some money.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: We so uh, we got some comments here.
1: Oh, gosh. And, I should be nice.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. They, this, this, they're, sure they're, they're wonderful. They're a little angry. Oh, no. See. Oh. Br-
0: Bringer of D says neither the Dems nor the Republicans give an F about America. That's why Dems ignore areas with few electoral votes. That's why Republicans ignore areas they see a little chance. They don't try because they don't care about you.
2: Oh,
1: man. So, this was in my RNC speech. You know, I agree. Republicans don't try. In many areas, but they do they care, him.
0: or do they? I'm not a fan I of either party.
1: I can't say that they all care because if they did, they would have supported me when I went to run, right? I, I can't say that they all care. Are you and making so, them
0: mad now, saying this?
1: I, you know what? I'm one of those people where I I'll just make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds awful, but yeah, I, love it. I I I somewhat agree with this comment, and I'm not saying that that everyone doesn't care. Um, but what I will say is everybody needs to try a little harder. You know, you, you do, you do. You're some people are making a ton of money and literally just sitting there.
0: I don't think they care. I think they're making a ton of money and just sitting there. I think the establishment Republicans and Democrats for too long have been like, what do I got to say to get the keys to the castle? Mm -hmm. And so I can sit around, but we've seen something really interesting happen. You've got people, uh, many progressives that are running on the left and they're getting all this press for upsetting, you know, winning primaries i think a lot of them really care and we're seeing the same thing with people like you i mm-hmm. think it's very obvious you care and so you're running in your district and it's not just you it's it's um we've got people in florida there's a lot of republicans that yeah. are primaring these these Incumbent, a lot of Republicans are retiring mm-hmm. because they were just the establishment do-nothings, and they're like, "Uh-oh, I actually got to fight against a passionate young person who's trying to bring about change in their community." Ugh, I'm going, I'm out of Should here. That's too scary. much work.
2: Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it's,
0: I think the internet has finally, uh, our politics is finally catching up with, or or the internet is finally hitting the political realm, mm-hmm. where now, I feel like you know, you you mentioned you weren't getting support from the GOP. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if you were doing this run before? social media
1: no because and I thought about that we only released the ad on social media that was not a, a commercial buy it wasn't an ad buy it was only on social media and we put it on uh, Twitter Instagram and Facebook that's it and so, oh, so it just got media, way
0: more than 12 million views that's yeah. just on Twitter
1: yeah and then people were yelling at me saying why isn't it on YouTube I was like dude I forgot <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, know it didn't go on YouTube until a week later you know,
0: you know what I think it is? I think a lot of people saw that and they said, I know exactly what you're saying. It mm. like resonated. I went, When I watched it, I was like, yep. I grew up in an area where they made all these promises to us. Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. We had a kid in my neighborhood. He went door to door. We wanted to build a skate park. Raised a bunch of money going to the neighbors and saying... You know, we would always go to this park and we would skate around and we would damage, you know, skateboarding. You can rough up, you rough up some of the planters that, you know, hold in the wood chips and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they w- we would often get in trouble because the kids were all clustering on this, this playground. So one kid got the idea to, to go door-to-door fundraising so we could build a skate park in the old, you know, run-down tennis court. He raised a bunch of money from, from the locals. I'm not going to make any accusations. All I'm going to tell you is what, what I was told by some of these people. Tens of thousands of dollars are raised. We end up getting the worst skate park imaginable. It's like, I have no idea who built any of this stuff. And then interestingly, around the same time, a bunch of new landscaping was done.
2: Hmm. And
0: so, the, you know, one of the kids who was raising money was like, hey, wait a minute, these ramps don't cost nearly as much as we raised. And what are all of those new plants, you know, around the building? And so I don't I don't know if it was actually like they siphoned away funds for their own personal endeavors for beautification projects or whatever, but I do know that we had this big this big event where like to Chris in the park we had a contest and some politicians came out and made all these promises about don't worry we're going to invest in your community smile for the camera and we're like yay and that was it we never saw them again yeah and so I just was like they got their flowers they gave us nothing and then when i went one day to skate at the park that my friends you know we all came together i didn't do any fundraising but you know it was part of it was a community effort mostly done by this one kid they called the cops on me and my brother what they were like you're not allowed to be here get out of here they were like only at after certain hours and i'm like what was the point of doing all this work to just be treated this way so i just it really it really disillusioned you that, yeah. that, that made me go from like a 14 year old skater kid to being like super anarchist F the system, ah, like angry, like how oh, yeah. god. And then when I was like eighteen, I was like, I better chill. That's not really that. You know, way works, you know down. But but speaking yeah. of that, we have another we have another question. This is from the Laparty. Says, hey Kim, what's your stance on police reform?
1: Oh, thank you, the Laparty. Um, I think police reform is necessary. I mean, we can't ignore it, right? There isn't obviously there aren't just a few bad apples. Um, do I have it high on my priority list? Uh, living in an area, where we have over 300 murders every year, over 700 shootings just last year, over 420 carjackings just last year. Wow. No, it's not high on my priority list because these aren't police-involved carjackings, shootings, or murders. But should did, did there be some police reform? Absolutely. Again, this is like one of those situations where I can't tell somebody about their experience in life. You know, we got to come together and talk about our experiences and figure out a solution. Um, This is why everything, I think everyone's very important. This is why I do want uh, younger people to run for office Uh, because we got to come together and talk about it and figure out, like this is like, you know, a doctor not talking to a patient but then writing a prescription. We can't do that. We can't do that.
0: I think it's just, I I think they've overhyped the problems. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to me that you can mention all of those crimes, mm-hmm. especially for the you know to beat a dead horse. I'm from Chicago, but to, <laughs> but to hear we need police reform, I'm like, listen, I've dealt with bad cops, I've mm-hmm. dealt with high crime. If I saw, you know, Donald Trump's tactical gear guys in the streets, I would not be like, oh no, my neighbor, what's happening? I'd be like, oh, something must be going on. Like, glad right. that, that something's being done about it. Yeah, and a lot of the, it's 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 really interesting. There's a pride issue I see with many on the left that like. If the police come up to somebody and say we're detaining you put your hands behind your back they get angry yeah no no how dare you you can't do this to me it's like well they they can it's it's you're allowed to detain you it's like try and be reasonable and choose your battles so when I get stopped by the cops I'm just like am I being detained if if I am then I am and but a lot of people I think the the left has said when people say things like if the police are arresting you or detaining you just comply Mm -hmm. and like yes because then you win the battle later. Right. But they say things like, why should I have to? They have no right, blah, blah, blah. And it's, so what do you do? You get into a fist fight with a cop? That's ridiculous. You can't do that.
2: That's, any, yeah. any,
0: anyway, the main point is, when I think about the amount of crime in my area mm-hmm. versus the amount of problems with police, I'm like, one clearly outweighs the other. Yeah. We've got bad cops in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a known problem. Right. But for the most part, you see a cop, you're not going to have a problem, and then they're probably going to be dealing with some crime. So while I've personally, I, I've I've been messed with by cops. Like I've had cop plant weed in my car. I got I got lucky. They found my uh, uh, my dad's firefighter emblem, and we're just like get out of here. Like they're they're yeah, they trying, yeah it's Chicago man, you know. And uh, I've been given bad tickets. So I do think reform makes sense. But I'm also like, man, can we deal with the gun violence and the and the and the fighting and the killing and everything? Because I'm not like you. You said it's not it's not high on your priority list because of you have all this crime already. And I yeah. feel the exact same way yeah i i think it's a priority and I th- i'll have a conversation about it but
1: yeah absolutely
0: x runner 55 says i live in baltimore and would vote for you in a second if they didn't gerrymander the gentrified areas out of your district thank you yeah,
1: yeah. i think <laughs> we talked about it so you know yeah thank you so All much right,
0: let's see what we got here carl uh ingstrom Ernstrom says donate to kim klasik not the rnc the rnc handed john mccain and mitt Romney to the voters The RNC needs to get a clue. Vote classic 2020. There you go. Thank
1: you. Thank (laughs) you. People are being... Keep preaching that, okay?
0: (laughs) People are being very nice. Here's one. Uh, Now they're just a bunch of people praising you to be completely honest. uh, uh, This is uh, Theo. She can
3: use it.
0: Theo Frasta Frasta says, Kim is fantastic. She's very perceptive. I'm learning a lot from this interview. Cool. Someone said, uh, good luck in Arizona. Are you going to to Arizona?
1: Wait a minute. How did... (gasps) I am going to Arizona for something. Oh, snap. how do they know That's that? Top secret.
0: That's from K Renee.
1: Crazy. i never even posted about that. Ooh. Ooh. Are you allowed no. to say what you're doing? <laughs> no. Well, cause I'm waiting for the, the final confirmation, but there's something going on in Arizona where they're inviting some Republican candidates out there to, to talk. And Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Somebody, cool. I, was, I was like, That's I saw that and I'm like, what are you doing in Arizona? Hmm. That's cool. Hey, someone, uh, <laughs> what is this? Someone says, uh, "Ugh, you can only like once." Awesome live, guys.
1: <laughs> oh yeah! I'm sitting here thinking you guys are about to shred me to pieces. No way! Oh, everybody's so, very
0: nice. All right, cool. Yeah. Our and our see, I'm so I'm cool. actually trying to. Uh, I'm I'm looking out for anyone who's posting like comments that are silly. No, they're all actually fairly normal. Um, the the, the, one, the, the <laughs>
3: fairly normal. Our audience yeah, is fairly just, normal. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: There are a lot that are saying like, "Keep up the good work." Really appreciate the show. It's it's really great. Seth uh, Misayan says it's not enough to not be trash; you have to be anti-trash. Thank you for for being anti-trash. She Love is, what you yes. do. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Jerry, our aunt says everyone drink each time. Tim says to be fair. You see, <laughs> I've I've brought this up because there's I go through periods where I will say like one thing a lot, whether it's it's complicated or to be fair or at the end mm-hmm. of the day I have it just happens like once a month I'll have a new catchphrase. <laughs> Matthew Stockhausen says my hometown of Merrimack New Hampshire has been listed as the safest or one of the safest places in New Hampshire Those were years we had the uh, Where we had the highest police per capita in the state mm.
3: That's interesting
1: Interesting.
0: I, I think it's fair to say if you had like 500 cops on like one block there'd be no crime on that block Yeah I just don't know if anybody, if anybody wants to live that way you know? Right, like right sh- Chicago did that in response to the looting They just apparently were like cops everywhere this is, it solves yeah. the problem, but, I mean, is that comfortable, people?
1: Well, and I have to say, too, I, you know, when you look at these areas, and, and we had problems in our police force in Baltimore City. We had the Gun Trace Task Force. I know you saw that. Um, you know, a lot. there were four, I think, that got indicted for, you know, planting guns and drugs oh, and wow. things. But you have to understand, these corrupt police uh, forces are corrupt and, and easily are that way because of the corruption within the entire city. You know, when you've got a corrupt city hall, yeah, you, you got a corrupt police force. It goes hand in hand. You know, we've got to get the corruption, we got to root it all out in all areas.
0: That's a job for Trump. Yeah. The, the, I think the best way for dealing with a lot of these cities is federal investigations of corrupt government officials. It is really difficult though. But you know, I think about my perspective coming from Chicago, how do you deal with a mayor, a commissioner, and all these people who have no interest in helping the people, allowing some of these you know corrupt activities to happen? And they say to themselves things like, "Well, it's bad, but at least it's better with me here." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, the cops are corrupt, but could you imagine if I wasn't here, man? The cops would be so much worse. It's like <laughs> they're still bad. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't, I don't mean that literally. I mean that figuratively. Like, I think Chicago police have a, have a lot of problems. Yeah. But I don't think they're. I I think they're a little bit worse than a lot of other places, but they're not all bad.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: PJ says, Miss Clasic, you're awesome. I saw your ads on Facebook and donated to your campaign. Conservative white guy from Ohio.
1: Thank you. Thank you, PJ.
0: Let's see. Rishab Verma says, great discussion, guys. More leftists need to see this and walk away. Well, then share it. That's right. You uh, (laughs) You have to share it. If you like the show.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: SFG Cisco says, I used to live near Baltimore and be there on Friday nights for nightlife. Once you left Fells Point and the Inner Harbor, it was all run down, sketchy, very, and very run down. Yes. 2001 and 2002, worse now. Fix it. Yes. Well, Our yeah, Inner that's... Harbor
1: is actually in receivership right now. So that's that. What,
0: what does that mean? Well,
1: so basically there's no stores left, no restaurants, and the city did nothing to replenish anything over there. Wow. It's just sitting. It's. It's an eyesore now, but that used to be a gem, right? It was right by Camden Yards. You know, you had the Cheesecake Factory. You had all these people that would come there every weekend and hang out with their families, and now it's just... Nothing?
0: Wow. Bricks. Oh. Oh That's gosh. sad. That was That's pretty. Awful. Yeah. I was down there a while ago. Here we go from David Meyerson. He says, I'm a normal person, LOL. Kim is, an ama- Kim is amazing and fighting for her community. What's not to love? I wish we had that in North Carolina. Where do we donate?
1: Thank you. That's a, that's
0: a that's a that's a pitch right to you to go. Yeah. Where do they donate?
1: kimkforcongress.com dot com is the website. I um, will we'll say a little secret here. Um, you could also send a check if you'd like to our PO Box fifteen uh, three six one Middle River Maryland two one two two zero, and that actually goes completely to the campaign, right? I don't think people realize how many how much fees some of these uh websites oh. take oh, yeah.
0: do For you sure. use uh winred
1: i have winred and anadot and uh they they we've made them rich let me tell you
0: wow
1: <laughs> yeah and i'm not saying they're bad you know it's great but you know if you do you know go to the website kim you'll see right on the the bottom um lower tier there you'll see our po box number you know if you do want to write a check and, and send it to us and and please know we appreciate it i mean we're now we're able to buy you know add space and billboards and send more mailers. And I have, you know, very small staff. We have a lot of volunteers because it's not really about, you know, paying people. This is this is like I really feel like if we spend smart, we can win this thing. And that's why I've got people out there seven days a week. And I know they're probably really mad at me, but (laughs) I'm like, look, guys, we don't have that many days left. I'm out here, too. We can do this. We can do this, and and luckily we have a lot of passionate people that are like, you know what? I, I think we can.
0: I think Billy said it well. If you win, you win. If you lose, you win because you're doing the work. Yeah. And uh, it might be a tough battle, but you have to, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single footstep, mm-hmm. and that's 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 the that's the goal. What's your what's your social media for people if they want to follow you?
1: Yeah. So on Twitter, it's Kim K Baltimore. Uh, Facebook, Instagram. It's Kimberly Klasik, K-L-A-C-I-K. Yes, and I would say LinkedIn. Meanwhile, LinkedIn is popping these days. Have you noticed that? Yes. I haven't
0: noticed. I, I'm hearing people talk like, about it. I
1: am getting yelled at sometimes because they're like, you didn't see my message on LinkedIn. I'm like, what? Who checks LinkedIn <laughs> messages? That's funny. <laughs>
0: don't rag on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. I don't use it. But yeah, I've been getting emails about it. Like, I guess people are using yeah, it Yeah, you
1: know? there's a ton of people on LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah. I should, I should look at it. It's like, oh. yeah, it's getting really hip these days. You know
0: what it is? It's that we're we're all kind of getting older and realizing professional <laughs> okay. is more important than yelling at each other on Twitter. You,
1: you just cracked the
3: case. So. Yeah. There is. <laughs> I think we crashed your website.
0: Why did it not work? Yeah, it's,
3: it's not working for me. So wait, we'll give it some time. dot KimKforCongress.com? Mm-hmm. It just loaded and loaded.
1: F-O-R? Yeah. Crazy. Too many no people way. try to go there. At once. I hope this is the case. So at the RNC convention speech, it w- it crashed for two hours. Oh, Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, they'll just have to follow
0: too you many, on Twitter. Too many. people. Are you
1: serious? Yeah. I'm about to cry. No, no, no. Don't cry. Well,
3: Not allowed. I'm also about to text my manager.
1: Well, to text my manager.
2: No, it's a good. It. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> <I'm>
0: well,
3: <glad.
0: laughs> it's a good problem to have. I
3: wish you could handle it. You've but got this so success. many people trying yeah. to hit you up. Yeah, that's awesome. This is, uh, you know but, what? You tell them.
0: But you might lose a lot of money. You know.
3: They should follow you on Twitter for sure. Yes, Let's see. this. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm.
0: Daniel Hotch uh, H- says, "Kim, go on Hotep's Been told ya, get the message out."
1: Oh, that'd be fun. That's
3: do you a fun d- show. do you
0: follow the the Hotep crew, Hotep Jesus, and those yeah, guys?
1: we got a little a little fight. Oh, oh no. really? Well, okay. This is another thing. I know I should. Be nicer. I, <laughs> so this is before I started running for office. And they kept telling me, like, you need, if you run for office, you need a black agenda. And I was like, here's an idea. You run for office on a black <laughs> agenda. Oh, snap. And he goes, well, I've been thinking about it. And then, and then he says nothing. It's like <laughs> crickets. And I'm like, how are you going to tell me what to, to run on? You know, it's like, I guess, with the ADOS and everything. And I understand. This is why I say everybody has their own experience in life everybody's voice should be heard that's just not what i'm running on but you feel free this is a free country feel free to run on it if you like and they just did not like that i said that Hmm.
0: so here's a question from garrett ford kim what do you think republicans can do to reach out and attract black youth also what after school programs would help young underprivileged kids succeed in adult life
3: Yes. Your website is working, just so you know. Oh. You finally got it to go through. All so right. Right. I We're just good. cursed at my manager. From the <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> <laughs> I've done great
1: things. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, um, the Republican Party, this is what's what's so crazy about it. This, okay. So right now we've got 21 black Americans running for Congress right now. Right? This is the most in history. In Baltimore City, we have four black Republican candidates running for city council. And if you talk to probably ninety percent of these candidates, will say it's because I felt like I could because President Trump, wow, was in office and was literally like, "What do you have to lose?" He seems to embrace you know Black Americans. That is that was Trump that extended that olive branch, and that's what I was trying to say, I guess, in my RNC convention speech. It wasn't the RNC that that extended this olive branch. It was Trump. Yep. And so when we hear people talk about how racist Trump is, I'm like. If Trump wasn't there, I wouldn't be running for office. I will be very honest with you. Wow. You know, yeah. and so it's interesting to me. And I think if the RNC just would take a, a page out of Trump's book and and just said, you know what, anyone that wants to be a Republican, anyone that wants to run, you know, you don't have to wait your turn in line. You know, just, uh, you know, embrace people. Embrace them. You know, when I was running, At this time, I'd already been going on Fox News, One American News, right? I already had press and media contacts. So I was like, I know I can raise a little bit of money because I can go, you know, on some of these networks. They were were actually supporting my opponent who had no media contacts. You know, she raised almost no money at all. It was just her turn in line because she's been with the Maryland GOP for so many years. So, you know, they got to get out of this, you know the good old boys club and, and really step into 2020 is when it comes down to, because I will give the DNC credit. They do welcome new faces and new they people. Do, yeah, they do. They
3: see that as a benefit. And I think the GOP would benefit from that. Yes. Mindset. we got to,
1: we've got to do that. We've got to do that. Um, as far as, uh, as young people doing, you know, what they can do, um, to help them on that, that track to success. Is that what that person asked? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was going off on right another. Direction. Yeah. So, Um, I think and this is what I loved about when I used to volunteer on Capitol Hill. I used to volunteer and help out with those that were giving the tours like the school kids. Um, So many um, kids that like came down to the Capitol to see everything was like, wow, and this is amazing. And they got involved in politics. But there weren't many black kids that were coming down, not many black schools that were taking the trips down. I think exposure trips are vital. Right. If you don't leave that neighborhood, if you don't make that trek out, you're you're not going to ever be exposed to, you know, just some of these things. And that's when I really started getting involved in politics when I was volunteering and I got to sat in on the uh, Benghazi committee hearings. You know, watching Congressman Trey Gowdy in person was like, whoa, this dude is on fire. Um, I I, I got to watch this whole thing. And that's how it all happened. Honestly, I, I went to, um, I had the uh, the volunteer badge, went to his office and asked for an interview. And they were like, Who are you? And I'm like, Kim Clay, sick. You know, but it, it, you know, Trey Gowdy was such a cool guy. He let me interview him. And that okay. was the night before he interviewed Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, wow. asking where the emails were.
2: Wow. Whoa. Yes. Cool.
1: Yes. And I, I, I always go back to it because people are like, What was wrong with, do you remember when that day Trey Gowdy was like sweating? And look, he was so sick. Oh, he definitely. I mean, today it would be classified as the coronavirus, but he definitely had yeah. like the flu. <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> and, and he was so sick, and everybody talked about how he looked. You know, sitting up there. But I was like, I saw him. He he was sick, and you know, sleeping in his office basically. Oh man! You know, trying to put the work in. Yeah, it was. But that is when I. It really took me to another level as far as politics, and that is when I was exposed to that Benghazi committee hearing to the flu from Trey Gowdy. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. there are a lot
0: of people mentioning they donated to your campaign. Thank oh. you. So, um, yeah. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much.
0: And, and this one person, Lass Bauer, is saying that after you've made sense of Baltimore, he wants you to go and replace the, the Danish prime minister. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you got this. And yeah. uh, David, <laughs> David Meyerson says, where's your campaign song?
1: my campaign song i
0: guess does trump have one
1: i don't know oh
0: i don't know is that a thing you're supposed to have (laughs) they asked i don't know uh let's see
3: (laughs) i'll send you one if i come up with one
0: uh we have a a lot of people saying keep up the good work andre baxter thanks for the super chat and um t cliff saying just sent 50 dollars to your campaign kim you are so inspirational and i really admire your servant leadership
1: Thank you. So, Thank you.
0: if you would like to donate, once again, you can shout out. You want to shout out your website real quick?
1: KimKforCongress.com.
0: And your social medias?
1: Uh, KimK Baltimore on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook Kimberly Klasek. Um, I really do appreciate this opportunity. You have no idea. Coming on
0: here? I, I was yes. I was like, man, if it was yeah, so cool, be if Kim so would cool. come on come to my show, That's it'd what's be so
1: crazy about this. You have no idea how long I've been like, oh, he's so cool. He's getting his own oh, story. Yeah. So <laughs> I love when people create news, you know, and not just going with the current events. And you've had times where you created news. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. gosh.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think I used to do a lot more of that. I would go when I used to do more on the ground stuff. Yeah. It, it started getting dangerous, though.
1: I know, With, but it, I, just the fact that, the simple fact that you did it. I mean, when I took those videos of the trash, right? Yeah. That was me being like a little Tim, like, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: like, and I uh, wish more people would do that, though, because definitely. you know, now we have the time of social media. Your phone camera could catapult you and your career or just save lives or improve the quality of life for yeah, others. Man. And so, definitely. You know, instead of like always just filming like a fight, you know, at school, what if you filmed like something really positive that could make a positive change in someone's life? That should go yeah. viral on World Star. Cool. For sure. Kim,
0: thank you so much for hanging out with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, say your website one more time
1: KimK for Congress.com.
0: Right on. And uh, so we're about to ready to wrap up. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you smash that like button before you go. You can subscribe. We do the show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m. we got a bunch of more guests coming up all throughout next week and more conversations. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parler at TimCast. And, of course, Lydia, who is at Sour Patch Lids, Sour Patch L-Y-D-S, on Twitter and Parler. But, uh, again, Kim, thank you so much for hanging out. And uh, now we're going to sign off. So we'll see you guys Monday at 8 p.m. live. Again, thank you so much.
2: Bye, guys.